Hello, everybody. This is Rose Tinted Reels. I'm your co-host, Zachary Duncan. You can call me Zach because we're friends. But what's, what's, uh, what, I, hello? Hi. What's, uh, what, what do you got going on? What's your name? My name is Allison Krauss, the Allison Krauss, the one, the only Allison Krauss. Yeah, if you search Allison Krauss on Twitter, you will find... Not me, because I don't have a Twitter. Oh, okay. No, you don't have you don't have any Twitter. Not even one that you created and then abandoned. Oh, I have one of those. Yeah, we all have one of those. <laughs> Who knows what kind of horrible <laughs> things will be dredged up from there? Probably nothing. I think I tweeted at the Muppets once. Okay, and was it homophobic? No. Okay. It was just uh, I think declaring my love of uh, Pepe. <laughs> Pepe the uh, king prawn, not uh, Pepe the the frog. But... I always knew you were an alt right person. <laughs> I'm I'm all right. You're an alt right guy. Oh no no no! I, I prefer all right. <laughs> well, fair enough. But... All right, so this is the uh, Indiana Jones, the Phantom Menace episode, also known as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh huh. But it, it's it's a episode one of a George Lucas thing, so. Same name. So. So. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to go through the entire trilogy because I think it is important to do. I'm not going to suggest we watch. Crystal well, one, uh, you skulls. know, you know, Crystal of Skulls doesn't fit within the time parameter you gave me. Oh, that's how I'm getting out of it. Oh, that's, that's a <laughs> clever way of getting out of a bad movie. Yeah. What what, what year did it come out? Uh, I know it's after the 2000 mark, but I'm going to guess. 2009 or 8 or 7. It was before Shia LaBeouf was canceled. Was he canceled? <laughs> what canceled him? People. Was he homophobic? 2008. 8. Ha ha! Secunda. Uh, what's a, that's from a different podcast. Doesn't matter. It's <laughs> a really like, weird crossover. Ah. If anybody listens to both, I'm not going to say which podcast I'm referencing, but if you know what I'm talking about, that's hilarious. Uh, why did little Shia LaBeouf get canceled? I I honestly don't. He just kind of became very odd. And I think people are like, too odd. Are we canceling odd people now? Because I might have to pre-cancel myself. You're not the kind of odd, like you don't walk around with a paper bag and a question mark on your face. Like I could do. It's a good idea. Why is that a good idea? People don't know. Because I'm odd, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think like in his his case, he had some notoriety. And so he did that for the sake of anonymity. Sure. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, he just exhibited just very weird behavior. And he kind of had like this mental descent into madness. Yeah. He's an artist. I I, I can't fault him for that. Nope. Nope. Artistic temperaments. You can't cancel people for that. Surely. Well, I, I think Hollywood does that, though. Like, they, um, they, when you look at, say, Britney Spears, she kind of had a mental descent and then was kind of canceled. And then, um, well, she, people just gave her a hard time, like in, in oh, newspapers yeah. and magazines. Whatever. Lindsay Lohan, canceled. Anda Bynes, canceled. What is Lindsay Lohan, though? <laughs> well, she's a, like Actress? does she yeah does she act or is she a musician was she one of those people that just became famous because of like a sex tape no so she started acting she was a child actor she just kind of in her like a lot of celebs you know who started as children actors tried to separate themselves from their wholesome image and yeah, miley cyrus style tell me this mm-hmm. is today significant for you in any way it is the day after i met a real life unicorn named clyde 
CCTV was. I, what? I will show you a picture. I met a unicorn yesterday. His name was Clyde. It was a horse with a plunger on its head. It wasn't a plunger. Well, a party hat. Isn't he cute? All right. She showed me a picture of a horse with flowers draped around on like a vine. And on the head, he has a little uh, harness, a little strappy harness on his head. A bridle. No, around around his ears. Mm-hmm. That accommodates the fake horn. Don't so. you go ruining my magic. Well, that's the purpose of the show. <laughs> so he is a mini Shetland mixed pony. I went to a friend's birthday party that they were throwing for their three-year-old. Emma, I was the only adult who wanted to feed the unicorn treats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course you were. <laughs> there wasn't that many kids, and they were more interested in the bouncy castle. Ah, okay. So, so you distracted him with the bouncy castle so you can get more time in with the unicorn. Who told you? You did. Did you read my diary? I did. <laughs> I get I, it, CC. I have a plan. <laughs> I have a cunning plan. <laughs> you went to my live journal. <laughs> I should really stop publishing my secret plans on my live journal. You really should, though. Is live journal still a thing? Uh, yes, it is. Because George R. R. Martin has a blog on it. He would. Yes. He he's old school. I wonder if he's getting ideas for what he's going to do for the last book, just based on the fan fiction he's reading. He's okay. like, nope, they're already dead. Can't you, do that. You happen to be talking to a person who is a hyper nerd for Song of Ice and Fire, George R. R. Martin, and Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. So I know that to be false. He's discussed that many times. He says that he refuses to read fan fiction or fan theories or even go on message boards because he's scared that he'll read something that someone wrote that either predicts one of his story turns and then he'll want to change it or they'll they'll say something interesting and he'll want to incorporate it and he doesn't know about the ethical nature of that. So he just doesn't read anything mm-hmm. on that topic. Mm-hmm. So he says. So he says. Right. Why hasn't he released it yet? I guess he hasn't read the right fan theory yet. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. I see you, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> You've got him pinned. <laughs> you got him against the ropes now. I can write another 30 pages about incest and another 40 pages about the succulent meats that people are consuming. I also see you, George R. R. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if there were that many pages about incest. <laughs> But there was about the meat. <laughs> there, he does actually go into a lot of detail for meals. Yeah. But he goes into a lot of detail for everything. So, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I always um, harp on Anne Rice can write like seven pages about the, the way a vampire sees the shine of a button. It's like, can we describe anything else besides buttons? Like Buttons. Buttons. Who's got the buttons? Yeah. Ann Walters or whatever that person's name was. Rice. Sure. The author of Interview with the Vampire. Was that a book? It was a book before it was a movie. What do you know about that? Seriously, what do you know about that? Well, so it's part of a series called The Vampire Chronicles, mm-hmm. which was written by Anne Rice before sure. she uh, found Jesus and um, Jesus is stopped important. drinking alcohol. Part of everybody's life. You welcome him into your heart. She was a better writer before Jesus. She was a better writer than Jesus? No, no, no not better than, oh, better before man, she you found You're throwing down with some Christians out there. I got <laughs> No, no, it's just she, before she started getting kind of weird conservative, her writing about vampires and kind of their innate sexuality was better. Innate sexuality of vampires, yeah. Mm -hmm, Yeah. But we are not talking about Lost Boys today. We could, though. That's a good (laughs) movie. I'd like to revisit that. Uh, No, we're talking about Indiana Jones. So the significance of today that you were mentioning, I was supposed to get married today. I take it as a oh. oh, Allison. 
And yes, it is raining today, so it would have been like rain on my wedding day. True, but it was an indoor wedding. It's true. It was going to be at a library. What would you do if you had an outdoor wedding and it rained? Put up tents. They usually have a contingency plan where they can put up like emergency tents. Look, I'm just, I'm theory crafting now, but what if they didn't have tents? What would you do? Would you have your, my, my question, my real question is, would you have your wedding in the pouring down rain? You're getting rained on. Your husband is getting rained on. The, uh, the Jewish priest that you have. Uh, J- Jewish priest. The, yep. <laughs> okay. The, the Muslim priest that you've got uh, officiating over your wedding. Uh-huh. Uh, is getting drenched. Yeah. All the people in the audience are soaking and miserable. Uh-huh. Would you call it off or would you continue? I'd provide everyone with a poncho. Didn't have any. The store was out. The store was out. Well, I mean, I would just not do my makeup or hair. Okay. So you'd, you'd continue just no makeup, no hair. And I'm not canceling this bitch again. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. <laughs> I've already had to cancel it twice. I'm I'm done canceling. So rain, hail, rain, hail, sh- shooters, no Mageddon. Oh, let's let's hope there's no shooters. Okay, so no shooters a, at the wedding. Yeah, please no. Like that. That. Well, this changes my plans slightly, but uh, okay. I I think I can make that work. How do you feel about bow and arrows? No shooters of any kind, unless it's like an oyster shooter or like a shot. Shot, 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 shot. So the straw with a pea in it? How do you feel about that? Pea shooter? How do you feel about that? I'd I'd prefer you not do that to the the reverend. (laughs) The Muslim reverend? Well, that's not... So I have a uh, non-denominational officiant. Yeah. I thought that's what I was trying to capture with my Muslim reverend and Jewish priest. and just He's he's everything all at once. It's a she. And that works too. (laughs) So yeah, I'd prefer you not torture Michelle. (laughs) <laughs> reverend uh, michelle excuse me reverend michelle what uh so she's non-denominational right she's performing a non-denominational ceremony All right, that makes sense because i think the catholics do they allow female folks i think they do now i know that i have seen them in episcopalian um uh, unitarian yeah i think all, all sorts of different ones but i i don't know about i think the catholics, catholics i think the catholics were one of the last holdouts for allowing women to do interesting things well they're, they're getting more relaxed and groovy popes i will say people say that this is we're going far afield from the subject of this podcast but people say that about this pope but he's still sheltering uh, child molesters and rapists so not all that progressive if you ask me thank you very much do we have a want 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 that's not with an oh allison <laughs> you can just say zachary when the allison part comes just shout over it oh zachary oh zachary there you go <laughs> uh, and now you know that most of that recording is not <laughs> happening right now <laughs> anyway so uh yeah today is the day that you would have gotten married and that's well, I mean, you're married now, so you got to be somewhat happy. But the the ceremony didn't happen. So yeah, let's I didn't get to wear my my cupcake dress. All right, let's pour some out for the loss of a. And wedding. and you didn't get to be a groomsman. Yeah, I'm going to groom people. Yep, he's going to walk up to people with combs and fix their hair and rub the back of their bald head with a <laughs> a cloth to get that nice little shine in there. Why I thought you were going to rub the back of their balls. What? You said rub the back of their ball and you kind of paused on it for a moment. And I was like, Bald. where's where's this going? Where's this going? Uh, so you're going to be on. That's a weird profession I just put you in. 
<laughs> so you're going on your honeymoon. Yes. Sometime okay. soon, right? Right? Next yep. week? Yep. We're going to the House of Mouse. By the time you hear this, we would have gone and come back. So. In theory. The plane could crash. I don't know. When you're gone, uh-huh. I shan't have a uh, podcast partner. So I think we discussed before about me just watching a movie and providing commentary on the fly. Yeah, I was going to assign you something to watch. So do you already have something in mind, or are we going to germinate on that over the course of this podcast? I think I'm going to ruminate on it a little bit, because um, there's there's things that I want you to see, but I think this would be a really opportune time for me to give you something just zany, silly, funny to watch. And so I'm thinking History of the World Part 1. Is that a Mel Brooks? It is a Brooks. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a Madeline Kahn. But it also might be a good time for you to watch Clue. Has Mel Brooks done a movie with Mel Gibson? Mm, I don't think so. I feel like that needs to happen. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I don't think it will happen just considering his viewpoints on people of the Jewish faith. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Although, whatever, man. The man is an island. He's, he's, he's a strange cookie. But he's come back into Hollywood, so I feel like he's he must have apologized for long enough. I don't know. Uh, it, it seems to be that um, we have a short memory with atrocities and then we put them against a barometer of newer atrocities. And it's like, well, was it as bad compared to blank? Mm. Was he as bad as, say, Harvey Weinstein? Uh, no. So. But that doesn't mean, <laughs> I mean, so just because I, someone's not as bad as like the worst example of something doesn't mean they're not still fairly bad. No, I, I agree with you, but yeah. it seems to be the Hollywood standard. The next scandal will wipe off the scandal that was happening before. That did seem to always be the case for, you know, the whole history of Hollywood and probably every other public life. But Cancel culture is kind of a... Yeah, na- but now I feel like everybody's kind of canceled equally. Yeah. So Once, if, if you've you're done canceled, something, you're wiped out. Yeah, so something like slightly bad gets you the same punishment as Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Indiana Jones, you know. So what's going on with you? Uh, nothing, man. I'm just going to be taking care of your cat next week and uh, watching some sort of weird movie that you're going to assign. It's going to be delightful. You're going to love it. Do you have any podcast news? Uh, I will say that I discovered my sister's listening. So hello, Katie. She's claiming that she doesn't listen to us all the time. But she picked an episode miraculously for a movie she's never watched. Mm-hmm. We, we know the truth. She also didn't know the name of the episode she was listening to, which is hilarious. She thought that the movie we were watching was Hello, H-E-L-O. And I was like, that is nothing like Wax Wax. Is there a movie called Hello? Spelled like that? I have no idea. <laughs> That's a very odd mistake. Yeah. She says that she's like you where she hasn't seen hardly anything. Well, that's <clears throat> I have seen many things, just uh, well, more modern things. Any of the things that I'm showing you. Yeah. She also pro- she's never seen a Star Wars film. Did you hurt? <laughs> Do you need me to continue on? Yeah. I I I'm I can't process that. But, um so yeah, so she she was saying that um if it was something like a Robin Hood Men in Tights or Spaceball, she would know more. But unfortunately, she doesn't know a lot of the films that we are discussing. When we first started becoming friends, mm-hmm. at least when we were working at Barnes & Noble together, did you not reveal to me that you hadn't seen Star Wars either? Or like not all of them or something? Or you didn't like them? I, there was something like that. Uh, I had not seen all of the newer ones, the like episode one Oh, the prequels? Yeah, uh, and I didn't have an interest just because everyone talked about how bad it was. 
All right. So I've already gone on record. That seems to be my platform for defending modern things. Mm-hmm. So I've, de- I've defended modern metal versus old metal. Mm-hmm. I actually want to defend the prequels. Well, you've showed them to me since then. Well, I just, yeah. I just want to mount my defense on the podcast and say that I think the prequels are good, great sci-fi movies. I think that tonally they changed so much from the, the originals, which I still, the originals are obviously my favorite. But the prequels, I think, though they changed and though they had Hayden Christensen in them, if you would take Hayden Christensen out mm-hmm. and Jar Jar Binks out, those were amazing movies, in my opinion. Mm. I go back and watch them, and I'm loving it. So the the issue, re- removing Jar Jar Good, I, I don't necessarily care about Hayden Christensen one way or the other. He's not the central driving force of why I'm watching. Yep. But I will say the thing that I found to be disjointed um, was their use of CG. It wasn't, I, I think you called it the Uncanny Valley. Like, it yeah. just, it wasn't good enough yet where it made my eyes happy. I, yeah, it, George Lucas had an over-reliance on CG for those movies. To the point, actually, speaking of eyes, he used CG to correct, quote-unquote, people's blinking. Interesting. So if someone would blink in the middle of a take, he CG'd out their blink. That's <laughs> anyway. So I have love for the prequels, and uh, I challenge someone. I people hold up the prequels against the originals and say it's not as good, therefore it's bad. And in my opinion, it's not as good, therefore it's not the exceptional legendary trilogy that the original was. But it's still a great set of movies. Unlike The Hobbit, which was uh, why did they? Well, The Hobbit had a different problem. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings was a series of three books that they made into three movies. Four movies. No. I always stop at the uh, intermission part of Return of the King. So it's for me, it's four. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? No, no three movies. I messed with your mind for a second. You were like, wait, uh, Is what? there a fourth Lord of the Rings book? That I did? What's happening? <laughs> no, I, I always pause it at the... Uh, I always watch the extendeds, and with the Return of the King, y- you have to take a break. <laughs> you just have to. <laughs> For the the weak bladders out there, yes. <laughs> no, the weak bladders still have to take a break during the um, the others as well when you're watching the extendeds. But yeah. with the Return of the King, like that's. That's like a 12-hour procedure. The, for the extended, certainly, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the, the, the Hobbit movie was based on a smaller book, mm-hmm. but one, and it, they stretched it across three movies. They shouldn't have done. No, and they were reaching into like the Silmarillion and stuff like that for other pieces of lore that they could kind of crowbar in, and then they invented their like a love triangle between Philly, uh, I think, the dwarf Philly and uh, the elf lady. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Wasn't she not even in the... I don't remember. No, no, no. None of that was in the yeah, book. I, well, no, I was like, her. No, 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 yeah. no. She was not. Yeah, she was a created character because they're like, who can we make that's kind of our Winnie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but uh, uh, Legolas wasn't in it either. Yeah, he had no point being there. Uh, 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 Except to be like, see, he's old. Galadriel wasn't in it in the in the book. Yeah. Like that whole thing with it, it's they with made the up council. so much. Yeah. They made up so much. It was yeah, it was terrible. And yet we still can't get a decent Tom Bombadil. Hey, that would be super cool. Yeah. But you know they're they're making the the Lord of the Rings series on uh Amazon Prime. And they're I think in talks of doing Zelda still for Oh really? Netflix. I hadn't heard that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But they always rumor that kind of stuff and then disappoint us. Well, they just they just announced that the uh, the Uncharted movie is actually in production. Oh yeah, I saw a picture of uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks good in that picture. 
But uh, Nathan Fillion, first of all, would be the best choice for that role. Mm-hmm. But I think Tom Holland is too short to play that character. So Hollywood doesn't care about shortness. If you didn't know how tall Danny Trejo was, you would think he was a giant. <laughs> it's true, but uh, I, anyway, I've got I've got lots of opinions on Uncharted. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you know that so, the, the Hobbit movie was originally supposed to be uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro? We would have had some really interesting like Urukai and orcs and stuff. It would have been amazing because I think that the, the Hobbit is much more of a child's story, like mm-hmm. more folklore. Mm-hmm. And that would have been so cool to have him at the helm. I think it should have been. But one of the reasons why it ended up the, the production ended up being so bad on the Hobbit is that Guillermo del Toro did all of the pre-production. Like he was in that project. He was ready. He, he spent like a year or more. I can't remember how much doing everything, uh, making the sets and the costumes and whatever else. And then there ended up being like a creative difference and he dropped out and they got Peter Jackson to come on like at the start of production. So he didn't, Peter Jackson didn't know what was going on. Like he would get to set and be like, all right, what scene are we directing today? Because he like, he was just flying by the seat of his pants and it's not his fault really that it turned out to be so terrible. It's, it's a really bad situation. I just, and I then, wanted, I wanted smog. I wanted I wanted a good homage to Smaug. Smaug. And they even got the voice of the beautiful Mr. Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm of the firm belief that you can make any kind of gibberish noise and people <laughs> know who you're talking about. Yeah, I go Ben. Slapbunwala. Benabacked Cumberbuns. <laughs> anyway, so we're uh, we're not talking about Star Wars or Lord of the Rings for this episode. Oh, dang. <laughs> We are talking about Indiana June. So before we get too invested in Indy, let's just uh, also remind you to do leave us a five-star review at Rose Tinted Reels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram? You sounded very German there. Go to Instagram! Maybe if I say it forcefully enough, people will do it. <laughs> Maybe. Give it a, give it a shot. Say, say it really German. No, because I'm scared that I'm accidentally going to like Cartman like some shouting. <laughs> Your bangs are going to come down. The mustache is going to grow. Hang on. <laughs> or I'm going to Dwight Schrute and like slam my hand on the table. <laughs> the time of ascension. <laughs> also, we're still in our sweepstakes. Um, we're waiting until we reach 100 shares, 100 likes. Um, so if you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it live on air. Our sweepstakes is if you like, share, comment, you will receive a Blu-ray or DVD copy of something that we've covered during the podcast, as well as an autographed pair of 3D specs. Spectacles. Uh, I I also hasten to say that the five-star review that you will indeed leave us, you will leave us a five-star review. Hang on. Do do a Jedi hand. Maybe that will work. You will do a five-star review now. On Apple Podcasts, One, specifically. One, two, three, no. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, you have to do it on Apple Podcasts. That's the platform where we are getting our uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. So uh, head on over there. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, just head on over there and leave a review. Anywho. Because it's just the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. So in other podcasting news, uh, while we're doing uh, our Inside the Reel, I have more trivia quiz for you. We're going to see how well you know this movie. I've got 10 questions. I'm going to do abysmally. We're going to see. We're going to (laughs) see. I tried not to make them so, like, originally I had written down, like... Kind of obtuse things. Yeah, like, what was the number on the box that the Ark was stored in at the end? 
I have no idea. I know that that's way too obscure. So I didn't do stuff like that. Like unless you I, gave I, me like an ABC choice. I think these questions are fair. Yeah. So they're not multiple choice, but I think they're fair. So you've got a chance of of knowing them. You overestimate me, but I I, I Perchance. appreciate your um, belief in me. <laughs> uh, so I've got that coming up and, and oh, we haven't given heart ratings for our earlier movies. So I thought we should do that now. Okay. So uh, the first, let's see, five movies or so, we didn't give heart ratings. Breakfast Club, Casablanca, Jaws, Sleuth, and A Tale of Two Sisters. Okay. So I've written mine down. For Breakfast Club, I have given it a heart rating of eight out of ten. Okay. What about you? What would you give it? Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Good. <laughs> uh, Casablanca, I have given. He's twitching. I've written down six out of ten. Whoa. But I'm, hang on. You go. I'm going to come back to me. So for me, Casablanca would have been a 10 out of 10 for a heart rating. He looks like he's tasted something bitter, like a lemon rind. Perhaps it was a bad date. Before we got started today, I I offered Zach an offering of dates. He has never had them before in honor of today's film. Yeah, and they're good. My review of them was that I think dates, I think, taste like apricots and have the consistency of... They're, They're kind of honeyed apricots. But the consistency... What is it? It's like <laughs> chewy, well, uh, like a fruit leather kind of. It's like it's like it's like. Try another mud. Mud. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe you had a bad date. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. So Casablanca, my heart rating. God, mother. I think it's. I think it's a, a seven. Okay. Seven. I thought you were going lower. No. (laughs) It's like a two. It was terrible. Uh, No, no. uh, My heart rating Casablanca was a seven, I think. I actually learned an interesting factoid recently about Casablanca that I didn't know before, which is the the head German guy uh, was actually the silent film actor um, that was the inspiration. uh, He played uh, a pivotal role that was the inspiration for the Joker. So he was that was the inspiration for the original comic character. Uh, so uh, Joker, right in Batman comics, uh, he the the look and appearance of him really motivated the Caesar version of the Joker, and um, also the Jack Nicholson. Like just the the aesthetic of of those people were inspired, and just that kind of manic appearance. And the Jared Leto Joker was inspired by Takashi Six Nine. I mean, I see it, but that doesn't make it good. Oh, it's not good. (laughs) It's absolutely bad. Uh, But that's his choice. Anyway, so what would you give your heart rating for Jaws? 10 out of 10. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Mm -hmm. 6.5 out of 10, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something about it. It was was a really well-made movie, but, you know. But you were tired and you wanted to go home? I was tired and I wanted to go to bed. (laughs) yeah, I mean, I didn't see it when I was a kid, so it doesn't grab me in the heart quite the way it does other people. Yeah. Uh, Schluth? 7 out of 10. 8.5 out of 10. Well, I, I cherry-picked, selected that one based upon what I know of you. Not what you have in your own heart. I mean, I liked it a whole lot. 7 out of 10 is still a very good score. But I knew, I knew because of what I know of you and like in your mysteries and your sleuthing and your... Um, interesting acting choices so i just i knew that movie was going to speak to you indeed it did 8.5 out of 10 so i think that's my highest heart rating ah. and finally a tale of two sisters six out of ten six out of ten 
Uh, I gave it a five out of 10, mm-hmm. which is still, I think it must be higher than my critical rating. Do you remember what my real rating was for Tale of Two Sisters? Oh, I thought it was like a four or a three. Yeah, probably. Because uh, you're like, it was good on the second watching, and now yeah. that we're discussing it, but you, you didn't like it. Also, how dare you record something at the end of the podcast when no one's around to defend it, <laughs> publish it, so you get your last little say. This isn't rose-tinted Zach's final word. Well, but it is, because, you know, you I've got the equipment. equipment. <laughs> Such a man thing to say. It's the, the equipment per owner prerogative. Yeah, you're like, yeah, we'll see if anyone listens to it. I did. <laughs> well, what do you have to say for yourself? Just for the people who don't know, it was after The Lost Boys, <laughs> and it was, uh, we were talking about the rules of vampires and stuff like that, and I was uh, commenting on the fact that the rules seemed in the movie to be inconsistent with itself. Incongruent. Well, they don't do enough of a time, and I think we described this during the recording, they don't really do enough time describing this universe and the truth about their vampire lore. So it's hard for me to defend it because I'm basing it on the lore that I've read of vampires. Well, but I but the, I think the p- whole point of my thing after the show was that you don't have to know anything about other vampire lore because they have declared the lore for themselves mm-hmm. because the other vampires do come in without being invited. So we know that that has happened mm-hmm. and we can only from the context where we're we have to assume that it was because the head vampire was invited inoculated in. them. And right. So but the head vampire was also immune to holy water. Mm-hmm. So the fact that those status effects didn't also trickle down to his progeny is... Maybe they're weaker because they're progeny. Well, but uh, we know that David is at least hundreds of years old. Do we? Yeah, because he knew about uh, the way that the town had been hundreds of years ago, didn't he? Well, 80 years ago. Was it 80? I couldn't remember yeah. how long, I assumed. But um, we, we don't know for certain that he was around to see it or he just knew. Because people do know how to read. Yeah, but he seemed to be giving a first-hand account of how things were. Seemed to be. Appearances can also be deceiving. It's true, but it seems like you're a clinging. You're clinging. Eh. You're a Klingon. I wasn't prepared to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write a dissertation and record it at the end of a different episode. Good. <laughs> um, this will be the rose-dented battle. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the, the battle that just stretches out for like... 10 episodes. Yeah. I'm going to keep responding. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's go to act two inside the reel. So for events of 1981. Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, the first female on the court. Oh, boy. I mean, girl. Um, <laughs> oh, <No>, Sandra. <laughs> I have that Ronnie Reagan became president on this year. What? Uh, Prince Charles married Princess Diana on July 29th. Ooh. MS-DOS was released by Microsoft. MTV began on August 1st. The first video all vid nerds knows was Video Kill the Radio Star by The Buggles. The second was Pat Benatar's You Better Run. Oh, that's interesting. An unknown piece of music written by Mozart was discovered at the Bavarian State Library. We were declared four minutes to midnight, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists in 1981. The Soviet invasion of Afghanistan hardens the U.S. nuclear posture. Before Carter left office, pulls the United States from the Olympic Games in Moscow and considers ways in which the United States could win a nuclear war. A what war? God damn it. I knew this was going to happen and I was scared to say the word. <laughs> Um, The rhetoric only intensifies uh, with the election of Ronald Reagan as president. 
Reagan scraps any talks of arms controls and proposes the best way to end the Cold War is for the United States to win it. Hell yeah. Always winning. That's America's way. So Muhammad Ali finally retired on this year with a career record of 55 wins and only five defeats. Flew like a butterfly. Stang like a bee. (laughs) That that was all I had for 1981. All right. I still have that the first American so-called test tube baby was born on this year. Also born on this year, however, more important people like Justin Timberlake. Hello, Britney Spears and Alison Crow. Not Kraus, but Crow. I don't know who that is. Probably Crow pronounced, but I thought it was funnier if I started to sound like I was going to say Kraus. Did you see that? I was about to get indignant off yeah. of the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, who, I don't know who Alison Crow is, but uh, it sounded kind of funny. Uh, films that came out this year, the likes of Superman 2, mm-hmm. 9 to 5, mm-hmm. Any Which Way You Can, Arthur, The Cannonball Run, For Your Eyes Only. On Golden Pond and Chariots of Fire. You've seen none of them? I have seen Superman. <laughs> I've seen, actually I've seen Cannonball Run. Mm. So I'll take that. Um, I think I may have also seen Arthur, perhaps. I, I've seen Excalibur. That's not, not the same movie, but I've seen <laughs> that. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> and yet very different i saw the recent uh king arthur movie by guy ritchie that's not the arthur they're talking about <laughs> that's very similar <laughs> uh but i i did want to comment on king arthur by guy ritchie i love guy ritchie mm-hmm. that was not a good movie Mm-mm. i feel like though it wasn't in my heart i believe that it wasn't his fault that it was bad I feel like that felt to me like a studio coming in being like, make it more rock and roll, make it more jazzy. People are going to want to see special effects everywhere. People are suckers for special effects. Yeah. All right. So that's all I've got for the year. So let's move on to the synopsis. What's this movie about? Nobody's heard of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost flipping Phantom Menace. So tell us what it's about. In 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government, to find the Ark of the Covenant before Adolf Hitler's Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Wow, that sounds dramatic. That sounds more dramatic than what I have. I said that a tan professor doesn't pay for his antiques and then loses them. (laughs) My bad synopsis is Nazi snakes and spiders um, and religion pale in comparison to the risks of traveling with a woman. I have many comments on that, but yes, that's very in line with my thought. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, okay, so let's get into some trivia. I've got a bunch of trivia, but my first thing that I want to start out with, off with is a question. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in life, life after. after love? <laughs> Where did the idea of Indiana Jones having a whip come from? And so I'm asking you, but I'm also asking the listeners, any industrious listeners out there with this kind of knowledge, please get in touch on one of our social platforms because I'd really like to know. I Googled it. And I couldn't find, like, I found in lore reasons, like, oh, when he was young, he was fighting a fucking tiger, and the tiger had a whip, and he took it from the tiger and smacked him in the face with it or something. I don't care about the lore. I want to know the production, like, the, the, the character design. Why did they design him with a whip? That's so odd. That I don't know. I didn't look that up. I've just always kind of accepted it. And when you watch the third film, they show you 
Yeah, they, they give you the lore reason why yeah. he, he has the whip. But in the first movie, they didn't know what was going to happen in the third movie. And they, they had an art. I mean, I, I, I do question how some directors' minds work. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, but mm-hmm. it's so odd. It's very random. Like, it's always, Indiana Jones has always been a thing as long as I've been alive. Mm-hmm. So I've just accepted that character design. But while I was watching this movie, I just got to thinking, like, George Lucas or Steven, Stevie Spielbs or whoever else, like the the character concept designer or whatever, why why a whip? Did other archaeologists, famous archaeologists, have whips? Uh, I, I don't know. That's just, it, it was very strange. Know. It's very strange. Anyway, uh, but my first proper trivia. Mm-hmm. But if you know that, please please reach out to us on the socials. My first real trivia is that most of the body blow sound effects were created by hitting a pile of leather jackets with a baseball bat. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot, all the punching is baseball bats against jackets. I love how creative sound sound people can be, mm-hmm. <laughs> how they create different yeah. noises. Go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say in the quiz later, I've got a question for how a certain sound effect was made. Ooh. So the whole movie and franchise was actually born out of fear. Lucas first told Spielberg about his idea for yeah. Raiders. Um, they were both on a vacation in Hawaii uh, in May 1977. They both were getting away from kind of the Hollywood era. Spielberg just released Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And Lucas wanted to get anywhere far, far away from Star Wars uh, because it was coming out that weekend. And yeah. he was afraid that the movie would bomb in the box office and they just couldn't take the pressure of it. So yeah. they both went to Hawaii together. Um, not realizing that they would both become kind of world phenomenon films. But they, they started to ponder what they wanted to do next. And um, while they were at the beach, Spielberg told Lucas that he always wanted to do a James Bond type of film. Lucas uh, promised him that he had um, that beat and proceeded to lay out his idea for a swashbuckling throwback adventure movie based on Saturday matinees and serials that would eventually become Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I ha- I have uh, evidence that so first of all the the first draft that George Lucas wrote for the not screenplay but you know the treatment of the movie was handwritten mm-hmm. literally handwritten on on you know regular paper and I saw a picture on the extra on the the iTunes version of the movie that I've got it shows some photos from like production and stuff like that and there's one photo of the first page of his handwritten draft mm-hmm. and I read some of it and it actually does t- say that. He is supposed to be a James Bond-like figure, like a 007. He's supposed to be a playboy sleeping with everybody and stuff like that. So that was initially part of the concept of his character, that he was supposed to sleep around a lot. And actually, they filmed it, too. So when uh, the professor comes over to the other professor comes over to Harrison Ford's house mm-hmm. with the like, hey, they want you to fly out there and do all this stuff. Yeah. Harrison Ford's wearing a robe. That was originally because he was sleeping with a lady in the other room and they uh, and Steven Spielberg in the editing suite decided that he didn't like that for his character. But they still imply it and have it occur in every movie like it, it's James Bond in the sense that there's like one center focus lady per movie. Oh, so he doesn't have the same lady in the other movies. You've spoiled that for me. Indiana Jones was named after George Lucas's dog, an Alaskan Malamute. Dog. Oh, that's Damn it, I always say that word wrong. Um, Indy, Indy's lying to Marion when they're on the ship when he says, it's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. It's not the years, honey. I can't do a good Harrison Ford. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Okay, Barry White. 
Hi, this is Barry White. <laughs> uh, anyway, that line was ad-libbed by Harrison Ford. That wasn't in the script. Huh. It's kind of like, um, I love you, I know, was ad-libbed by Horp Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot, actually, in this movie that was ad-libbed. So, quote-unquote ad-libbed. So there was a lot of kind of production planning on the day that went into it. Like, they didn't just do it on the fly. But, like, the scene where they were at the plane and they're mm-hmm. fighting, like, fist Nazis. fighting, mm-hmm. that was ad-libbed. That wasn't, like, written how that was supposed to happen. Huh. They just did it. And Harrison Ford's knee got run over. Ooh. But the tire was, from the heat of the day, the tire was really soft. So it didn't crush his bones. Well, that's lucky because that, that could have been a career ending. Yeah. So, yeah, he got run over um, during the snake scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, the, I think it was the first AD was bit by a uh, constrictor and he had to have an employee come and he, in his words, make a whip motion with the snake to get it to detach its fangs from him. Cheesy. Because it wouldn't let go. And also the scene where uh, Marion is in the Frenchman's tent. Mm -hmm. That entire scene was ad-libbed. That's really interesting. When they're getting drunk. Yeah. Okay. So and that's such a pivotal scene for like for her character and for like it. it, it anyway, the script had originally just said somehow she gets into a dress mm-hmm. for the, the snake scene. So it just seemed like they wanted to get her into a dress. They didn't have a, it worked out how that was supposed to happen. So they just let them have that. Yeah. And it came up. It re- reintegrated the idea that she can drink a lot mm-hmm. and, and tolerate her drink and uh, use it to manipulate people. Yeah, it seemed like a well-written scene, but it wasn't written. That that's actually a credit I think to the actors definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, she she was a big advocate for her character. Like originally they had written her character to just be a damsel in distress, which mm-hmm. I actually argue she still is. But she has a little bit of feist. She injected the feist and they didn't want her to. She had to keep fighting for it. Yeah, and we'll we'll come back to this topic when we get to the next movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um Originally, Indy was supposed to be Tom Selleck, and CBS stopped that from happening because he was working on Magnum P.I. So there are apparently a lot of actors that were kind of in the candidacy for Indiana Jones. One such actor, Mm -hmm. Barry Bostwick. No. (laughs) Imagine Brad. Brad Majors, the man who was too vanilla to be... (laughs) To even be the thorn. Yeah, he was... Oh, what a flaccid indie that would have been. <laughs> I just can't. That movie would have been awful. It really would have. Oh, I kind of want it to exist now. I know. You know what? He'd be a, he would have been good in the spoof version. I, I think I've determined what you're watching while I'm away. Oh, God. What? In like Flint. It's on, um, it's on HBO Max right now. Okay. It's 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 one of those movies. The name of it puts me off. It sounds stupid. In like our man Flint. All right, I'll I'll give it a shot. It's is it good? It is hysterical. Okay. It's. I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy yourself. I'm not saying right. it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're going to enjoy the ride. All right, fair and, enough. And I think it's going to be a perfect thing for you to just riff and live watch. And I guarantee. You are just going to rewind and laugh and rewind and laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, just keep in mind, view, listeners, that she's the reason this is happening. So. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, my next one, you already read that one, so I'm going to go into this one. Do it. I already brought that one up just casually in conversation, so I'm going to go to the next one. Mm-hmm. So when young Harrison drops down into the uh, the snaky area, mm-hmm. by the way, when he when you see Indiana Jones coming down into the map room for mm-hmm. the first time on the rope, 
That's actually Harrison Ford climbing down the rope at the beginning of the take. That's pretty athletic. It is athletic. And I mean, it doesn't seem like a traditional stunt, mm-hmm. but it totally was. I mean, it was pretty high up that he had to climb down without a harness. Yeah. And, and the camera just, doesn't cut. Imagine the upper body. Like, his, like, I don't know if you ever had to do rope climbing challenges for like gym or something in high school, but oh, yeah. I did not have the upper body strength to do that. I did. I, I could I could get up without using my legs, if, oh. if I'm honest. Um, I don't know if I still can. I don't know if I still can, but I, I could when I was you in school. You know what? We're going to go find a rope. We'll be right back. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, if especially if he had to do multiple takes of it, his, his arms would get very tired and there's a risk of him falling. Absolutely. And like you said, that's not a short distance. No. Unless that was a camera trick. Anyway, that was not my trivia. I just kind of wanted to bring that up. But also when he was in the snake scene, when mm-hmm. he falls down in front of the King Cobra, mm-hmm. there's actually a real King Cobra in front of him and there's a pane of glass oh. separating them. And Oof. and the cobra did spit venom at him. And it hit the glass. And it hit the glass. And and there was actually, there was someone just off frame shaking a stuffed rabbit at the snake. Mm-hmm. And that's what made its hood come out. That's terrifying, but yeah. clever. Yeah. That would not be my favorite day filming. No, I mean, it seemed like they, they went through the risk. I think that I read they had 7,000 real snakes. But also a lot of them weren't really snakes. They were legless lizards. Like like a breed of lizard that is born without legs, or did they just have a vat of lizard legs at the end of this? <laughs> I think it's le- just they were born legless. Okay, but anyways, legless. so they had it was a very dangerous, like real, like they had snakes everywhere, and there were snakes killing each other. I would so one. Well, never mind. We'll get to that scene when I want to. I, I have a thing that I wanted to throw out in the universe, but let's hold it off until that scene. Okay. Anyway, that, it was a super dangerous, like, uh, sort of situation that everyone was in. Oh, and also the the stunt actress. I think it was a lady. I don't actually know. It's, it just mm-hmm. said the stunt person for Marion refused to go into the snake area because, you know, I guess it was when she was dangling or whatever. She didn't want to be lowered down into the snake area. That would have been me. Nope. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So they had, I don't know if it was the stunt coordinator or something like that. A man, uh, Steven, Stevie Spielbs told him to shave his legs and throw on a dress. And well, he did. Yeah, there, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So speaking of um, unruly creatures, um, during the spider scene, uh, the male spiders were originally used and placed on Alfred Molina's back as well as Harrison Ford's. And the director was like, you know what, why are they so docile? Like they need to, we want these tarantulas to really be active. And they're like, well, they're all males. So they're docile. They're, they're calm and comfortable. What does that say about civilization? Women inherit the earth. Um, (laughs) So um, they ended up putting a female spider on the back, which got everyone a little more agitated because all the male spiders are like, well, got to fight for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, what they did to make spiders a little more active on Molina's back. Also, that scene. (laughs) Yeah. I used to be a lot more arachnophobic than I am now. I'm sure that would have bothered me. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I have one more fact. Do you have any more facts? I have uno more facto. Do you want to end on your facto? Uh, no, you can end if you'd like. However you'd like to do it. I'm not here to steal the show. I feel like whatever I choose will be wrong now. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go and then I'll I'll end it with your beautiful fact. Um, when Indy is being, uh, when he's in the Well of Souls, um, you can see on the hieroglyphics uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 on the wall. I read that after I watched and I haven't gone back to uh, verify, mm-hmm. but I, I think we should. Yeah, try try to find the time marker for you people to listen to. And by you people, I mean our beautiful fans. 
people. So the uh, the last factoid I have is actually one that you've already told me about, but you didn't say it. I was going to wait for you to say it. I left it to the last one, mm-hmm. just in case you had it also. But now I'll take credit for it. So the famous scene where Indiana Jones uh, shoots the uh, the flamboyant sword, you know, flaming fi- fella. Uh, was not in the script. Harrison Ford was supposed to hit, use his whip to get the sword out of the attacker's hands, but food poisoning was uh, crippling everybody's digestives. Mm-hmm. So the whole crew and Harrison Ford had gotten too sick to perform the stunt. So after several unsuccessful tries, Ford suggested just shooting the sucker. Quote, unquote, <laughs> just shooting the sucker. Get him, sucker. And Stevie Spielbs immediately took him up on the idea, and the scene was successfully filmed that way. Nice. So on the topic of people being sick... Uh, there was also a scene where John Reese davies was supposed to bend down, I guess, in submission to somebody pointing a gun at him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he had cholera, I think. Oh, man. And he soiled himself when he bent over. <gasps> That's so awful. Yeah. Poor Rice Davies. And I also realize now that I'm making you watch a lot of uh, Rice Davies films. I love it. <laughs> it should, we should just have a theme, all John Reese davies <laughs> Go through his entire catalog. That means we'll have to watch Lord of the Rings. Dang it. Oh. Shoot. You know, I wonder if we have any friends that haven't seen it that we can unanimously join forces on and make them watch. Oh. Yeah, but that would be a really long podcast. It would. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Okay, so uh, that's all I've got for regular trivia. Now on to the quiz. Da, 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 da. Everybody get excited. Thank you. Thank you. So, I have to applaud you for getting the right sound. <laughs> <laughs> I finally remember. All right. I got to turn my computer away from you so don't cheat. <sighs> All right. Are you prepared? As I'll ever be. Question one. What was the full name of the film when it first released? Raiders of the Lost Ark without the Indiana Jones. Correct. One point to Allison. We're starting off easy. Okay. Question two. How many deaths do we see in the movie? Okay, so it's everyone who dies. Yep. Oh, Boise. As a result of Indy or in general, like... Yes, it's not necessarily uh, because of Indy. Just anybody who dies. Okay. So that includes, like, the archaeologist that they find the corpse of in the 15? All right, so 15, you're guessing? Mm -hmm. Final answer. Sure. According to (laughs) listofdeaths.fandom.com... How did you find this website? (laughs) Uh, there are 20 deaths. Okay, I wasn't too far off. Yeah, you were, you were in the right ballpark. So I did on the IMDb's trivia listing, it says 63. Okay. But I'm wondering if that's including deaths before the start of the movie, like the people we hear about. Like the other archaeologist. And maybe they're also including the other movies, I'm not sure. But it's that's wildly often this list actually names everybody. Okay. Including Arab swordsmen and giant sherpa the monkey mm-hmm. things like that so the, i trust this source mm-hmm, because they're more definitive yeah. yeah okay so uh i don't know if i can give you that point but you were darn close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i at least get an effort point question three who played the voice of the monkey you have this information i do yes or at least you should have a very strong hunch so I'm guessing it's a voice actor that was also probably in The Great Mouse Detective. Yes. Now I'm trying to remember the names of the actors with The Great I'll give you a hint. We've talked about him before. Today or in general? Uh, no, in previous episodes. Is it the guy who did the voice of the bat in 
candy or something. Candy Candido or something like that. I'm going to say the, the voice of the bat. I'm afraid I need a name. You won't get one. I, I don't remember. It is not the voice of the bat. That was Candy Candido or whatever. Yeah. He was a real gruff voice. No. Uh, the voice of the monkey was Frank Welker. Oh. If you'll remember, he's he does all the animal voices in Hollywood. Oh, has okay. done since the 60s. Okay. <laughs> he can do a flock of geese and one has a sore throat. He's a legend. <laughs> okay, I, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Frank Welker. And he also did Abu in Aladdin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. He's just the animal guy. If you need animals, you go to Frank Welker. So question four. Mm-hmm. How many children does Salah have? Six. Final answer? Yeah. Nine. Damn. <laughs> just turn six upside down and you've got it right. Yeah. No, I was thinking like I was, how many can I remember in the scene where they come and surround Indy and get him out of the uh, the bar? Right. right. <laughs> I only remember seeing six. <laughs> All right. Question five. In what year do the events of the film take place? Thirty eight. Thirty six. I said it earlier. <laughs> yeah. Don't look in back at your notes. I think I said 1936, but I want to say eight. But now I don't know if it's because it was it's 36. 36, final answer. It's 36. <sighs> Point to Allison. I'm half seas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question six. Which Egyptian god's statue is first seen in the Well of Souls? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just remembering Rice Davies. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, I rewound it like five times. <laughs> I timestamped it for later. <laughs> I don't remember it being that funny before. Yeah. No, honestly, what I just did, I watched it so many times. My impression was spot on. That's how much I loved it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I think that was Anubis. Anubis. Yep. Yep. All right. Another point for Alison. What are you up to? Three points now? Yeah, I'm not doing so great, guys. Uh, You're 50%. Six questions. Three, right? Still failing grade. All right. Question seven. During the classroom scene near the beginning of the film, what does Indy say is, quote, one of the great dangers of archaeology? I was distracted by the love you one. <laughs> I know. That's the most interesting thing in that scene. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall. Uh, I want to say it was um, trying to prove ownership or something like that, but I, I don't recall. The answer is folklore. Oh, folklore. Is one of the great dangers of archaeology. Question eight. Uh-huh. Here's the sound effect question. What is the sound that was recorded to simulate the boulder rolling at the beginning of the movie? Now, there's no way you're going to get the complete specifics, but if you give me kind of a, a general idea of what you think was used to make that sound. Probably a slowed down, like, marble rolling against the ground or something like that. That might have been a good idea. Uh, is not the correct answer. They used a Honda Civic rolling down a gravel road. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did like the the Ford Dodge or something like that not give an adequate sound? Like, did they have to test several cars? I think it was the sound guy's car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, yeah. The story I read was that that he just his car wouldn't start, so he had to push it on a gravel road, and he was like, "Oh, this is a fantastic sound." <laughs> <laughs> just now. All right. So, question nine. I, I've already failed. All like uh, overall, I think I got like a thirty percent. Well, but there's failing and there's failing. Okay. So don't... Don't be the second type. Don't do... Yeah, one of those. What was the film's budget? Plus or minus two million. So I feel like our friend Christopher Bartlett would have a better answer for this because I don't know realistically what a big budget film like this would cost. 
hundred million. Final answer? Yeah. Eighteen million. That was way off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I mean it was like the, I said, I don't know how money works. I don't er, know what things are. Well, it was early eighties and he actually didn't want to do a really big budget movie. Because oh, okay. he had just gotten off of doing what Close Encounters mm-hmm. was that, and he was going on to do ET, and he'd also done one before Close Encounters, Jaws, <laughs> that little movie. So he was he was little fish movie. He was actually tired. He wanted to get this done with this movie over with as soon as possible. He didn't want to do another big budget movie. And actually, while he was just an extra tidbit, while they were in production of this movie, he was writing ET. Mm. Yep. With with some lady. Was it like George Lucas's wife? I don't know much about E.T. trivia. I didn't love E.T. I liked it a lot when I was a little baby kid. It it always creeped me out when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's saying something because some of my favorite movies were really creepy, retrospectively, like The Witches. Yeah. If you could handle The Witches and you couldn't handle E.T., I don't know. It was something about him being just like brown and naked and gloopy looking. E.T. phone home. Wasn't that so, kind of the sound of his voice? Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. It rubs me wrong. That's an odd voice. Yeah. So yeah, 18 million. All right, question 10. How long did it take them to film? A year. Final answer? Sure. 73 days. Beans. <laughs> <laughs> Beans. All right, bonus question. Okay. So if you get this one right, you win. That's how <laughs> That's bonus works. Super bonus, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what word was Indiana Jones writing on the blackboard for his class? That he couldn't spell? Yes. Neolithic? Correct. Ding, 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 ding. What's the... Come on, you won. Thank you. All the marbles. Thank you. Allison wins. Do you have you anything like to say? Me. You really like me. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. That was Indiana Jones Quiz Hour with Zachary Duncan as your host. And I'm Allison, the participant. The winner... The winner participant. All right. Act three, movie analysis. So my nostalgia rating is actually the same as my predicted real rating for you, which is a six out of ten. All right. Let me sneak a peek at my notes. All right. So you predicted mine to be a six? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's rather low. Why do you think it's so low? Well, it's just um, this is our first action film. So I was basing it on Jaws. Yeah. But so, um, <laughs> sorry, Jaws. <laughs> no, so I, I, I don't know. I, I was having feelings, um, just how I thought you were going to think of the special effects makeups and the, um, the religiosity aspect of it. So mm. it just, I had different factors that were kind of playing to mind that were giving me, um, an internal debate about what you would think of it. I got you. All right. So, uh, Jones. let's Jaws. So, <laughs> bad guys. <laughs> let's start this shindig. Let's do it. What on earth is your first timestamp? 16 seconds. The The whole reason I, I paused there where I did was just, I was like, the first America's ass. Because I, I just felt like they lingered. Oh, yeah, they did. They looked up that guy's ass when he was going up the hill. Yeah, it was just they, they lingered on Indy's ass. Oh, Indy's ass. No, I'm not talking about Indy's ass. They uh, lingered on somebody else's ass more, I think. Oh, yeah, one of the, the, the two guys. Yeah, the guy that actually goes into the cave with him. Yeah, Melina. America's ass. There it is, baby. Drink it in. Stevie Spielbs. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. Melina and friend. All right, now prepare to look up this guy's ass. Oh my. Yeah, that is Melina's ass. I know that ass anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Burro. Burro. So my next one is at uh, four minutes, 50 seconds. Oh, you really just wanted to look at his ass? Oh, yeah. It just, I found it weird that they had that camera angle for so long. That was. (laughs) They did hold the ass cam for quite a while. Ass cam. Steve, Stevie Spielbs loves an ass cam. I think we, we know that. Mm-hmm. So I actually, just kind of in this area, I did want to comment on the lighting. Mm-hmm. So It's very light trenched. I think that they must be shooting on location because the light is so intense. So yeah, this right here. So you see the light on the leaves and the stone face right there. Are, it's kind of overblown. It's, uh, the, the exposure is way too high on it. And yet the, the shadows are also very harsh. There's just a really high contrast. Mm-hmm. It's not so much in this shot here. But you see what I mean? Like everything in this... And I've the just, water is saturated with light. Yeah, so I just paused it at uh, 251. And the water is like super duper bright and everything else is basically black. And I wasn't sure why they filmed it this way. Like was this a stylistic choice to make it feel mysterious and or oppressive and this shot too where we're looking at indy holding up the raggedy piece of paper and you're looking at the other explorer guy melina so you see the the grass and stuff in the background and it seems like it was so overexposed that in post-production they kind of lowered the exposure so it's still kind of blown out Mm -hmm. you don't see any detail in the image but they brought the brightness down the 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 max brightness the the white level I don't know that it seems amateurish. Like it would seem like that would be something that a worse director would make this look. But again, I don't know if that was a style choice. Like maybe they wanted it to look like kind of hearkening back to an older. I feel like it was that yeah, um, because they, they were so motivated by the vignettes that they were talking about in that earlier, like the kind of swashbuckling lighting. Like if you look at an Errol Flynn movie, it has that same kind of saturation. Yeah. I, well, I, I questioned it because it's not every shot that looks like that. It's just some of them. And it's not even when they go into the cave, especially because that's a set. Mm-hmm. The lighting is very even and very well Controlled. balanced. Yeah. So maybe they just wanted it to look like this in some sections. Like the, here, it's fine. And this shot, just I've just paused it on it, the cameras behind Indy about to whip. But it come to the front of them, and the lighting is completely harsh again. Like, you can't see Indy. It's basically a silhouette of him with just a little tiny bit of detail. Mm-hmm. And On you, his face. And yeah. you can't really tell, like, the trees in the background. It's just kind of black and then white. Mm-hmm. You can't see color or anything like that. And I don't know. It just seemed either an odd choice or maybe... Stylized. Or Well, I was going to say maybe it was... They just had, they captured bad footage. Like it was too bright that day and they, they couldn't have, they didn't have a good way of bouncing light into the dark areas, mm-hmm. which I find hard to believe, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe they were just making the best of what they had. Uh, so for this one, this is where uh, they're about to go into the cave and Indy grabs the, the guy like by his shoulders and kind of shakes him a little bit and moves him around. And the guy's wearing a wicker, like a stiff wicker basket with a bunch of metal stuff in it. And I want you to pay attention to the noise it makes, or rather doesn't make. Friend of yours? A competitor. He was good. He was very, very good. Senor, 
Don't please come out of there alive. Please. Like there was a slight kind of clanking, like a hollow clanking. Mm-hmm. But he had a bunch of metal stuff in there. That would have made a huge clanging and jostling sound and it didn't make any noise at all. Yeah. And for some reason that really caught my eye because he was like right in the center of the, the, the screen and he's shaking him around. I felt like it should have made a lot of noise. Maybe they wanted to concentrate on the, the speech of no one's come out of there alive and didn't want to distract from that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that that's probably what it was. But I just felt like make all the jangling noise. Obviously, all of this was kind of dub, dubbed over anyway, the dialogue included. So when you're dubbing over the sound effects, the Foley sounds, mm-hmm. just make them quiet or take the high end out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just low end noise. So you can still hear it and it still makes sense for the scene, but you can hear the dialogue really well over it. Make it more organic. It felt weird. It felt just made it feel very fakey to hmm. me. Anyway, this noise and why is it the iconic noise that we associate with creepy crawly things? Like, why is this the sound trope? Oh, the, 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 the plucking of the strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate this noise because I feel like there's spider sound when I hear <laughs> this noise. So they're in the cave. We just found a spider on Indy's back. And now we look at Melina's back and he's covered. And as we now know, we had to animate them to make the spiders a little more uh, awake. <laughs> That's a good point. It was, it's a good thing to bring up that trope of the, the plucking of the strings to indicate <laughs> creepy crawlies. Yeah, it's, but you also, I feel like you hear that same sound effect in movies, like horror movies, not when there's creepy crawlies, but like I can just imagine looking down a, a long hallway and you've heard a noise and you're the, the audience is supposed to be expecting something and you'll also hear that plucking. Yeah, I've heard it like in, in Insidious used it a lot. But I, I guess it's just generally supposed to indicate fear and panic. Yeah, it, it works. It's unsettling for sure. It's kind of like when you hear a song played in a different, um, I think it's a major or a minor key and it just completely changes the tone of it. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. So my next one is five... 16. Okay, I ended up having a lot of notes for the beginning of the movie. And maybe it was because I was kind of easing into the type of movie this would be. Mm -hmm. But I felt myself uh, to be very critical of things. So this is 5, I'm at 5.17. And Indy is about to stop, what's his face, from triggering a photosensitive trap. Mm -hmm. A light sensitive trap, yeah. Yeah. Stay out of the light. All right, he's walking, kind of crouching around it. And then he's going to stick out his hand. Trigger the trap. All right, so my question is, how? This is an ancient temple of some kind, Mm -hmm. and they had a photosensitive trap? How on earth did they do that? Aliens. Sure, but how did they do that? Aliens. Right. Of course. But how did they do that? <laughs> well, you see, it's actually on a sound stage, and they had someone behind the scenes. Oh. <laughs> how about in universe? How did it, how is it supposed to happen? I don't know. They don't really explain that. How did anybody accept that as a real thing? Like moviegoers. They don't have the. Why didn't everybody walk out <laughs> when that happened? No, no. This isn't true. None of this is true. But that's such an odd thing to get wrong. <laughs> there, there's no solar panel. To- yeah, I mean, it's an and at ancient... time, does it just trigger off? <laughs> like, with sticks and stones, this ancient culture made a photosensitive trap. Yes. What? <laughs> That's a nightmare of stupidity. I can't believe that got past any kind of draft. 
but it's cool. I guess. That's uh, just wild. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I had. I like when you push, it's like aliens. Okay, but why? Soundstage. <laughs> Soundstage, of course. It's Stevie Spielbs. <coughs> anyway, so uh, my next one is uh, 625. So, and if you're critical at this level already, man, <laughs> I was really honestly, I was most critical at the beginning. It's going to ease up <laughs> your expectations lowered. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, can I change my, my nope, 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 nope. All right. So at 625, the uh, they're walking up to the this like the, the area with the pressure sensitive traps. Yeah. Which still really honestly doesn't make any sense. That they could have done that, but that's more believable. That's yep. much, much more believable. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. They they have some form of hemp or rope or something that they could probably rig. Sure, why not? <laughs> no, honestly, that that actually does make sense. That could plausibly happen. Anyway, that so here that's where we are. It was hurry. There is nothing to fear here. He didn't have to rough him up so much. <laughs> it did feel like he's using any opportunity to throw him against a wall. Hang on a second. <laughs> no, I just have to check my watch. All right, you can keep going. Uh, no, uh, so the dude says, there's nothing to fear here, and then like goes to run forward. Trollolo. Why did he think there was nothing to fear there? They just had two other incidents, I think, of a trap that he didn't see, that Indiana Jones had to say, all right, stop there's something here that's hidden. Mm-hmm. So now there's a big long stretch and he's like, there's nothing to fear here. And he goes to, why did he think that? It looks nicer. There's no corpses or blood stains. Like either that guy is phenomenally stupid or he, did he have a reason for thinking that there was no other hidden traps? He didn't want there to be. Ah, I see. Uh, <laughs> that, that really, I was like, I had to pause there and like, what, what do you mean? There's nothing to fear here. How would you know? You haven't seen any of the other traps. Well, and that gave Indy the, the chance to be like, no, 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 stupid. <laughs> no I dummy. Know, I know more about this culture and this area than you. Than anybody. So suck it. Suck it, Melina. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, that, that's all I had there. So it was, it was that. I, I think it's just oh. being used to set him up as a uh, action academic. So I also, uh, this my clip... I'm just going to continue to play until he gets to the uh, the altar up there. Mm-hmm. So he uncovers the uh, the pressure sensitive thing. And by He's very lucky that the pressure sensitive didn't trigger anything else or different than that. <laughs> it was very very uh, very lucky, convenient for him. Yeah. So I he's about to replace the idol for the sack of sand. Why, when he was going in, did he grab a sack of sand? Maybe he knew from lore that there was a weight-sensitive trap mechanism that he needed to prepare for. So, okay, so I had anticipated some answer like that. So this is my counterpoint that you didn't prepare for. Well, if anybody had known, who, who would have written that down? Because no one's come in here to do this because the idol's still there and the boulder has not rolled. Maybe it's based on discussions or tribal research or something like that. It's an oral tradition or something. I think that's probably the most plausible answer. Yeah. Because nobody has come in here and made it that far. We've seen the corpses. Yeah. 
So it, it seems like no academic or explorer has made it in here. And is there any indication that the tribes people regularly go in and out of here and are very talented at avoiding the traps? Well, I think it's kind of uh, it, it's shown that the tribes people that know about it don't want someone messing with their relic. Earlier, when the two are people that are, I guess, meant to be assistants to Indiana Jones, say, if they knew we were here, they would have already got us. So my guess is this is a sacred place and that is to be left alone. Okay. So um, this is the scene where Indy's running away from the natives and he's running toward his his, aeroplane. Aer- his airplane fellow. It really reminded me of like when he's running and yelling. Remember in the Matrix, the first Matrix movie where uh, Neo is running like down an alley or something like that and he's trying to get to the... Uh, the payphone. He's like, Mr. Wizard, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> really reminded me of that for some reason. Start the plane. Start the plane. <laughs> He's just hanging out fishing. Oh, he caught something. Look at him. I would not just ankle my legs. I'd be like worried about piranhas or leeches depending on where they are. Oh, yeah. I love how dusty he is. Start <laughs> And I also want to point out that all of these uh, supposedly deadly uh, native people mm-hmm. are terrible shots. They, they have terrible aim. Yeah, I, I later make a comment about stormtrooper aim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's some bad stormtrooper aims. So the sound effect that that plane just made while it was starting up, mm-hmm. while I was reading, it said, I, initially when I heard that, I thought it sounded like the sound effect when the at in Star Wars shot, like a heavy artillery sort of laser fire from Star Wars. See, I got like one of those remote control car sounds. Oh, that's what you thought it was? Yeah. Well, what I read was that it was actually the sound effect of the Millennium Falcon engine failing. Oh. Maybe I just need to rewatch, but I don't get... I, it sounds like a heavy artillery laser fire. It was like, pew! I'm going to rewind. We can hear it again. So the that worrying the like that sound effect that sounded like an engine failing or like even on uh, like a pod racer mm-hmm. like when Anakin's pod uh, thing revs up yeah well, well like the engine failed and he's trying to yeah get it to rev back up that reminds me of that sound effect but the pew that sounds like heavy artillery laser fire if you ask me interesting so I think this trivia person may have been dumb <laughs> well you just write them a letter I'm like I'm calling you out right now you dummy. <laughs> Anyway, so there was that, and also... Oh, that was my timestamp, which is just the iconic music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that the iconic music comes in when he's swinging on a vine, and like, here's the heroic music. And And he's doing a very pedestrian flop into the water. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's going to make it into the plane, and he just falls into the water. <laughs> it, to me, it's, uh, it seemed very anticlimactic. I was yeah. like, wow, that's <laughs> not very heroic. Mm-mm. And here we find out that he's afraid of snakes. There's a big snake in the plane, Jacques! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I wish his name was Fluffy. (laughs) I hate him! (laughs) Show a little backbone, will ya? Who who brings a snake with him on a mother effing plane? Listen, I'm not leaving my babies at home. 
I will snake. have snakes. I will call them my babies. They'll call me Snake Man. Would you ever own a snake? I don't mind snakes. I don't really mind snakes either. They don't they don't scare me, but I don't know that I would ever own one. I wouldn't own one in the sense that I would have trouble feeding it because I don't like to watch other animals. Oh, like feeding it mices? Yeah, I, I wouldn't love that. I, I also wouldn't want one small enough that would eat crickets or bugs because I don't want to carry those into my house either. Oh, I feel like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, crickets and such. Because you I, can buy them at a pet store. Yeah, I just... I, I, the, the idea of, like, scooping the live crickets, like, putting your hand in that... Like, I know I wouldn't necessarily have to do that, but the idea of the bugs, I don't like it. I don't like bugs. Oh, right. They make me itchy. Like, my hands right now are seriously... <laughs> I know, like, you're just like, you're <laughs> wringing your hands like someone just told you some really bad news. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just any... <laughs> I don't like bugs. Like, I'm so itchy right now. Let's talk about <laughs> anything else. All right. Let's talk about... Oh, this mine was so just dumb. having to go at the student with a weird writing on her eyelids. What was the timestamp? 13.05. All the ladies love him. All the gentlemen, too. As he can't remember how to spell right, Neolithic. But he took more time and care than uh, waxwork. All right, let's get back to this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fascism. No, I'm talking about folklore. Aha. Uh-huh. In this case, mm-hmm. local Lord. tradition held that there was a golden coffin buried at the site. And this accounts for the holes dug all over the barrow and the generally poor condition of the find. However, chamber three was undisturbed. And the undisturbed chamber and the grave goods that were found... All right, she just blinked her love. You. <laughs> I like that he paused his class to get a better look at it. Reason to, to, now, uh, was she the, the person that was later found in his bed? See, that is a good question. I'm wondering if that's the case. Because it is implied that uh, when Indiana first started uh, with Melinda, what, what's her name? Miriam. Mo- Mariana. Miriam. Miriam. Miriam or Miriam? Miriam. Is it an M? Yeah. Uh, it's um, So that is actually an old um, biblical name. There, There's Miriam's. Yeah. yeah. So I everything I was reading had it uh, Marion. Marion? Yeah, Mar- uh, it was M A R I O N. Oh, you're right. It's Marion. I always heard Miriam. It's yeah, it's hard to distinguish Ns and Ms sometimes. M&Ms. M&Ms. Uh but uh it's implied that when they first started getting funky in the nighttime, she was young. She was he was like 25 and she was like 15. Yeah, she said, I was a girl. I was a kid. I was a kid. You took advantage. Yeah. So is uh, is Indiana Jones a pedophile? Abusing his position in the school to get sexy young students? Co-eds? Um, well, in the case of Mar- I, Marianne, uh, I'd be curious to know how old she actually was in their interlude, but she identified herself as young. Um. But I, I think any time student teacher, even though that these are supposed to be college aged ladies, it's there's still an element of impropriety when you are in a position of power over someone. Yeah. So I I don't think it's and great. And at, at worst, it's not great. Well, no, but there's yeah, there's also <laughs> the sense, not at especially worst, at in, least at the least, it's not. Yeah, and especially in a position at school for a, a teacher, there's a sense of like reciprocity, like oh, if you do this for me, your grades might just improve. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. Yeah, and if if the lady were to break his heart, well, your grades might just suffer. Yeah, it's I. It's not a good idea. No. Uh 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 uh. uh. You're loving it. It's all right. 
2243, which is just that, you know, without even someone using any scripting or any communication, just how they glance over a magazine. I could tell they were a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> they had that Nazi stare. You really did. Uh, so actually, I'm going to skip ahead uh, to uh, the one after that, which is 1914. Very good year. Uh, when did World War One end? Because certainly it had not ended yet. So it was. It couldn't have been a great year. Oh no! I was just it, making the joke that it sounded. It started Allison, in 1914. Allison loves. It, no, it's well. Maybe I don't know when it officially started, but like 19, like 12 and 13. I thought that fights had broken out already. So 1914, uh, according to my Google search. Fantastic year. Allison supports world wars. <laughs> Only the first one? I, oh, no, okay. No. The second one was derivative, you think? <laughs> it lacked originality. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen this before. Death, mayhem, fire bombings. So, um, 1914, as well as being an excellent year, according to Allison, <laughs> is uh, also the position in the movie where Indiana, Dr. Joe, is uh, explaining to these dumb army people... Mm-hmm exactly what the staff and stuff is used for now we get a glimpse of his colleague which i assume is also his superior superior at what we don't know just something and uh he keeps giving indy a look and i think that look is like i'm in love with this guy look how cool he is he didn't write it on his eyelids so we had to read between the lines yeah he's he, he the look is like he's showing these fools up how cool is this guy let's have a look <laughs> And what you did was you take the staff to a special room in Tadness, a map room with a miniature of the city. All look at that. On the look at that look. That's an adoring look. Yeah, I, I mean, we we learn more of this character later. Not in this movie, in different movies. Oh, okay. And is he in love with Indy? Well, n- not... He loves him, but not, not in the way that... It's not romantic? Yeah. It looks romantic. Look at his face. You can adore someone and not be romantically inclined towards not, them. Not with that look. That's an I'm I'm in love with you. Let's get let's get let's bro down. <laughs> bro up. <laughs> <laughs> the, there was also kind of the the trappings of the scene, which the army guys are just baffled by everything and so dumb and don't know anything. Yeah, they they want this thing that they couldn't possibly control or fully understand. Well, they get they came to him with the sentence. They were like, "We can't possibly make anything out of this." And the the quote was Tannis development proceeding, acquire headpiece, staff of Ra, Abner Ravenwood, U.S. And they're like, we just don't know what any of that means. And the Nazis are after this. Like, well, assume that it's a staff mm-hmm. for Ra. Mm-hmm. Tannis, even if you didn't know that it was some mystical uh, location, like, wouldn't you assume it's a code name for a project or something like that? Or uh, Tannis Root from um, Rosemary's Baby. It just seems like they were wantonly stupid. Well, there, there's a lot of movies, and, the, and this is not unique in that. Where are they? Like even Sherlock poked fun, poked fun at the uh, local detectives who worked for the constabulary. Like, yeah, but I think they were given the credit of being they had common sense. Like they were shrewd people. They just didn't have the the depth of understanding. Yeah, or like even in Sleuth, he's like, you know, I'm not just some ignorant Bobby from one of your stories or something like that. Right, no. Sleuth, heck of a good movie. <laughs> so 2243 was my next. Without even saying anything. We know it's a Nazi. So uh, Indiana Jones is getting onto an airplane, taking his seat, uh, refusing an alcoholic beverage. That looks to be champagne. And he uh, 
We see a nefarious-looking gentleman looking over his Life magazine at mm. Indiana Jones. Very Nazi look about him. Th- there's just something about him that just screams, I'm a Nazi! You think it's the shape of his glasses? Could be the, the blueness of his eye, or... Well, I guess that his... makes you a Nazi? You, you said that to me before. I don't like this comparison. <laughs> well, he just said it because he had blue eyes and you have no, blue No, no, I said the blueness of his eyes. Not that he had blue eyes, oh, but there's... the specific hue. Yes. And is that a very, like a, a sky blue or a... Kind of like a frosted ice color. Mine are, I think, more of a gray blue. All right. It, and it's just also his skin tone, like very... So, uh, no, it was just something about him just very much screamed Nazi even before he opened his mouth. Also, he has one of the creepiest, like, talks and laughs I've ever heard in cinema. Uh, yeah, and I... He kind of reminds me of um, the bad guy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the, the like, kind of manic way he laughs and talks, the, the uh, Christopher Lloyd character. Yeah, I can't remember the laugh. Oh. And when I killed your brother, and he said... Oh, at the end of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, his his voice kept turning more and more cartoony as yeah. he was talking. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. Uh, that scared the mess out of me when I was a but a lad. Um, so my next timestamp is actually 2343, which is what I call, what game is this exactly? Drink or die? <laughs> we have Marion sitting at the table with some gent, and they're taking shots. Oh, yeah! Yeah. The larger gentleman finishes his drink and overturns the shot glass. Marion picks up the drink. Then she's drinking the the liquid and the crown around her is transfixed, seeing what will happen. She looks like she's wavering. They think that she's done. So is she faking here or did she actually have to pull herself together? I think she's faking. She's telling them to stop. And that she's still okay. She's got a flair for the dramatic. Mm-hmm. You have to be dramatic or people won't bet. And she makes a profit if she wins. I think that's tampering, though. <laughs> now the it's unethical. Gentleman's reaching for the glass. He looks so cocky. Look at him. He takes the drink. Slurping it like a big... Falls back. <laughs> yeah, it just falls back. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> I wish I knew what she was saying. So apparently many of the actors playing Germans were Americans. And they were given German lines. But the German lines didn't make much sense. And all of them had really American accents. <laughs> So all the German people had to be dubbed over by real South Germans. You know what? That kind of makes sense. There's a couple scenes where people are talking and it doesn't seem like their voice matches them mm. at all. And I think actually the original release of the movie did not have them dubbed. It was the original voices. But when they did the release for Germany, it sounded so terrible to them that they had to redub all the stuff. And I think the re-releases in America have that version. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is 2749. Okay, so this is when the Germans are about to come in. Indy is leaving. See you tomorrow, Indiana Jones. She said it. Originally, he was supposed to be Smith, and they didn't like it. Yeah. 
Well, that was an homage to some other swashbuckling fella from older movies, I think. Yeah. Um, so he just left and he was asking for the medallion, like where it was and such. And she was like, Man, I don't know where it is. Come back tomorrow. And uh, she pulls it out here from her blows. I'm just wondering. There it is. She's just wearing that all the time, this ancient artifact, while she's getting drunk in a bar? It belonged to her father. She didn't know the artifact's significance. Well, look at it. <laughs> I mean, even if you don't know its historical significance, it's quite a, a, a piece of jewelry. Yeah. I don't know why you'd wear that while you're getting drunk in a place like this. Let's see if her place. It's her bar. Yeah, but if she's... I, I know she can handle her alcohol, but she's drinking a lot of shots. Like, that was like... 10 to 15 shots. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it they they make it seem like that's uh, some sort of trick she's mastered. Right. Anyway, I I just thought it was odd that she would trust herself getting drunk at a bar where with this uh this artifact. Mm-hmm. That somehow douses her candle. Indeed. Mine's 31, which is just what I call everyone has the aim of a stormtrooper. So, uh the Nazis enter in the bar and a bar fight ensues. And now we have a shooting match. No one can hit anything. <laughs> hitting some glasses. Hitting some tables. <laughs> hitting some walls. Basically. Definitely walls, yeah. Yeah, they're aiming for walls and glasses primarily. And part of me wondered if they did something like effectsy makeup to make his face look like that. It doesn't look natural. Who's? The, the guy who has kind of um, squinted-looking eyes, like... Uh, well, they're supposed to be in Nepal, right? Mm-hmm. So I suppose he's supposed to be Nepalese? Yeah. But I, like, I it, I... it looks like they've done something to distort his eyes. Possibly. To make them look more extreme. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't know if they did or didn't, but he just... It looked clay. It like, looked it somewhat look... unnatural. Yeah. Possibly. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I don't. This is a symptom of uh, older movies and possibly it's not their well i'm sure it's not their fault because See, the, i originally limited- thought she was gonna blow she there a bullet hole goes through a cask and she starts drinking it starts drinking it i assume she's about to like blow the fire that would have made more sense i think that would have been a better character moment for her than just wanting to drink some more alcohol yeah that's crazy you had enough <laughs> But it must have been a limitation of the uh, audio recording equipment that they had uh, f- for the day because all of the gun sounds sound really artificial. And I'm sure that it's actual recordings, but... Almost cartoony. Yeah. Oh, so this this bar fight scene took two weeks to film. All right, so... Uh, the uh, the guy modeled after Himmler, whatever his name is, Ermak, is uh, lighting the bar on fire. The actual counter. Shoots him. Shoots him both. He doesn't care about his own people. And you get more shadow play on the walls, like the characters that are supposed to be standing behind. You get their their yeah. shadows on the wall. That's actually really good. It's great framing. All right, so he bends down to grab the medallion and holds it for a long time. Well, 
Maybe it was so hot that his brain like whited out and didn't trigger the pain reflex. It's, that's no, it's an it's an involuntary action. Burning sensations will make you let go mm-hmm. and and stop. That's that's an involuntary thing. You'll do that before you're consciously aware. Like there have been studies of, of how hot something is. You'll pull away before your brain even processes it consciously. I just find this moment very funny because it reminds me very much of um, Home Alone, where. Um, <laughs> He sticks his hand on the doorknob, burns it, and then like runs to the snow. To the foot. snow, because <laughs> yeah. he does the same thing. He does, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't put it in terms of uh, of Home Alone, but that's a good point. The yeah. same thing happens there. He's doing a Harry. Yeah, although that was a little children's comedy movie, and this is not. So it was it was interesting to me. They're both PG. Oh, is it? I thought this was this is post uh, uh, Jaws, so I figured it would have been PG thirteen. PG thirteen didn't happen till the second movie. To the second Jaws movie. Second Indiana Jones. I thought, it's because I thought, of Indiana Jones' second movie that we have a PG-13 rating. I'll get into oh, that I don't know trivia I, I, for, for that. For some reason, I thought you had said it was Jaws that did that. No, no. It wasn't until hmm. Indiana Jones uh, 2. Oh, okay. Well, yes. But this is supposed to be somewhat more realistic than uh, than Home Alone. <laughs> and, somewhat. And so, <laughs> If nothing else, people die when they should. So I have two thoughts. That's true. I have two thoughts about him picking up the the medallion. Firstly, I think it was a really cool plot point uh, Mm -hmm. that he sears the design of one side of the medallion into his hand so that he can make a replica. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool. That that was a really cool thing to write in. But the lingering on him holding it for so long and just everybody knows that if you touch something hot, you're not going to keep holding on to it. That's so weird that they didn't have it be something a little bit more believable. Like him falling onto it or something like that. Yeah, or yeah, or someone tosses it to him and he catches it. Yeah, or I I don't know. Just it it seemed weird that he would have touched it, started burning, and then pull his hand up to start screaming without releasing it. it I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I can see, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, and it also seemed like uh, since he was bending down to reach for it, and it's surrounded by fire, he might have just thought known to, it was hot. Yeah, thought to wrap it in some cloth or something. That would have been a smart thing to do. I thought these uh, Germans were supposed to be uh, the master ein, race. Ein superior. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Just doing a little inglorious bastards. I love that movie. Uh, so my next one is thirty nine forty one. So this is just the, this is going to be like all the different action sequences of this section of the movie. So I'm going to let it play for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be looking out for two, uh, three things. I have included that we're going to talk about the sword, shooting the sword guy, but we don't have to. Really what I want to talk about is her hiding in the basket, Scooby-Doo action in the alleys, <laughs> <laughs> and the truck the truck flipping over. Yeah, okay. So Marion is running, uh, avoiding bad guys. She lowers herself with a into a basket, holding onto a um, pan. A lid. Yeah. And oh yeah, and so the guys that are chasing her just ran by, but the monkey got on top of the basket and is screaming for them. Why does she? Why is she lifting it? She's trying to get the monkey to jump off. Yeah, and also revealing herself. Oh, well, she she didn't know. She heard I the think guys a better run move by. would have been to like pull the monkey into the basket with you. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna like lift it up, like lift it, grab him into the basket and pull mm-hmm. it back down. But she's just like doing like this sort of thing, like jiggling the the jiggling basket the, lid, yeah. which is just revealing her location. And if she's trying to remain hidden, just let the the monkey scream. Yeah, 
they don't know necessarily. She doesn't know at that point that the monkey is working with the bad guys. Yeah, and that it, the monkey is a Nazi. And even if the the Nazi monkey is indicating something to the guys, they don't know what he's indicating. Maybe the monkey's saying like, "Oh, she went that way." Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she's making noise and jiggling the lid while trying to remain hidden. So we've got Indy running through town and. Uh, Let's start knocking some locals over. And here's the famous sword guy. (laughs) That's such a great moment. I'm glad that they didn't do the whip. How loud is she shouting that he could hear her over the ruckus? That's a good point. And I am so like her yelling Indy. You mm-hmm. hear that so many times in this movie. Now, do we hear Indy more than we hear Michael in Lost Boys? Michael. Michael. They're just noodles, Michael. <laughs> what do you mean, worms? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he's chasing the basket. Guys with the basket. And. Do this to me. I'm an American. And Americans deserve better. All right, look. Mm-hmm. So they're running down this little alleyway. I'm an American. From the perspective of the camera, they just went down a right turn. So he's going to come barreling over here. He's right behind them. He, t- he goes that right turn. Now, there's nobody in that alleyway. So there's I'll, a kitty cat. So what I'm guessing is that just uh, for production-wise, the guys with the basket ran past the camera to the right and then around the camera. So they're now behind. Because otherwise, they would have had to go in that door or that door up there. And I, I think that they still would have been, the door would have been moving or something. They Anyway. What if, while filming, there was actually multiple sets of guys with different baskets to give this illusion? Well, I'm sure that is actually the case. Or the camera cuts, I think. So, but anyway, from his perspective, they absolutely went down that alley. They could not have gotten to the end of it by the time he looks down it. So he must then deduce they're either in that door or that door. They have to be. Probably that door. So why Especially did, since the cat's not disturbed. Yeah. So he, he should have started opening that door, but instead, <laughs> Scooby-Doo uh, logic, and now they're Scooby-Doo. Bo- Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and instead of going right... Sorry, I just like how you pronounce it. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so somehow they're behind. They're to the left of where he was originally coming from. Okay. It's, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. No, it's, it's Scooby-Doo stuff. All right, so they come over here. And also making enemies of the local people. Yep. And uh, does he pay the, the beggars here? They start, uh, he's, he's huddled oh, over he, in a he corner. He kind of throws coins at them. Yeah. So he's endearing himself to them. Fast, right. fast. So, Sorry, Schnell is like one of the few German words I know. <laughs> All right, so he shoots the guy on the outside, shoots the driver. He puts his foot on the accelerator. And boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. So that explosion. Why did it explode? <laughs> oh, there was a lot of explosives in the back. And I know that um, certain types of explosives are more volatile where they can explode if they're shook up too much. That's a good point. Do, well, do you know uh, that originally that was supposed to the truck was supposed to flip over, but the, the stunt just went wrong and they didn't have time to fix it. So they just left it going sideways like that. But I think it looks cool. It looks cool, and it, it better explains his later actions of, you know, getting drunk and looking sad. It's not just that she was kidnapped. It was, he thought she was dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was also supposed to happen when it flips over. 
Yeah. It was by, I guess, going to explode either way, but I'm going to rewind and look in the back of the truck. I mean, it looks like it's filled with uh, rounds of ammunition. Like this, this one does anyway. I can't but tell. But we don't know what some of the like lower green things are, or there's rounds on top of boxes. So we just we don't know what's in there. Yeah, I just assumed it was all uh, guns and and bullets and stuff like that, which would not have just exploded like that. No. Anyway, uh, so there you have it. My next one's fifty-two. Forty-seven, forty. I tell you only what I saw with my own eyes. A headpiece like that one, uh, except around the edges, which were rougher. In the center, the Frenchman had embedded a crystal, and and surrounding the crystal, on one side, there were raised markings, just like that one. They made the calculations in the map room? This morning. So I love this guy in the background. Just uh... out of the map room, they gave us a new spot in which to dig. Out away from the camp. Poor Well, the souls, huh? Come, come, look, look. He just looks so stereotypical and acts so stereotypical of like. Come, sit down. Sit down. This is a warning not to disturb the Ark of the Covenant. What about the height of the staff? So did Bella get it off of here? Yes, it is here. This was the old way. This means six kadam height. About 72 inches. Wait. <laughs> and take back Bon Kadam to honor the Hebrew God whose ark this is. And your sentence, man. Okay. Um, so I thought it was weird that uh, he was like, all right, so it's uh, however many uh, inches high. And and it- d- 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 <laughs> but subtract two. <laughs> yeah. But why did, why did he have to go, ah, stop? And also remove one. Why didn't he just say, yeah, but on the back it also says to remove one. He had to be like, no, shut up. I need complete silence. The big I'm an important man and I have important <laughs> things to say, so do shut up. Do shut up, please. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else? Subtract you. Sorry. Did you have anything else? I'm sorry. I'm speaking now. Excuse me. Excuse me, Vice President. I am speaking now. You're so right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um... So, yeah, please have- press play. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is just uh, the reason I brought dates today. Poor monkey. That's actually my note. Poor monkey. <laughs> <laughs> you said their headpiece only had markings on one side. You absolutely sure? Belloc's staff is too long. They're, They're digging, digging in, in the, the wrong, wrong place. place. <laughs> <laughs> I am the monarch of the sea. The I am the ruler of the queen's navy. Good catch. That was very quick thinking on his part. Bad dates. I just love this <laughs> delivery of that line. Bad dates. I would watch a movie of just him. Absolutely. Like him being like smart and cunning and yeah, he's helping some hero character, but him being him. Did you, is is there a movie where he is the main star? I don't know. Hmm. John Rees, he deserves it. He does. I want to say that he did a leading role where he's kind of like a He-Man kind of character, but I can't Hmm. think of it now. Um, And he was just one day from retirement. Damn. (laughs) What happened to him? He took an early retirement. 
Futurama. Uh, did you have anything else? So at 5214, um, Indy lowers himself into the ground of the well of the souls. And I was just kind of pondering how many languages, religions, and history do you have to master before you kind of have the level of understanding that he just seems to have whenever he lowers himself into, <laughs> like, he just, like, knows all this stuff. And I feel like it takes a normal historian, a normal archaeologist, years to master a kind of a level of understanding for one specific thing. Like there's people who focus just on the food anthropology of, you know, King Henry the eighth. And, you know, that's a very set specific amount of time here. We have this guy who was in the jungles of some South American country looking for that idol, that golden idol. And now here he is in Morocco or somewhere. And, having a very similar i just know all the things <laughs> yes he's made of magic yeah the the human you can only take so much studies like you can only study yep. so much no there's a reason why uh, sherlock holmes uh, says that he doesn't uh, he doesn't know very basic things because they're not relevant to him and he doesn't want to overcrowd his mind yeah. with trivialities yeah but the map room is over there yeah. let's go come on I don't think he meant to, but he tripped over <laughs> the Oh, speaking of, uh, they filmed uh, when Indy had to outrun the boulder at the beginning of the movie. He actually had to do that. Like, he was actually running away from that big thing. It was styrofoam or something like that. But um, he tripped in one take and actually hurt himself, and they used that take because they thought it looked authentic. John Rees has some uh, Germies yelling at him. Some Germanese. The country has a... Germies. 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 John Rees, when we return back to him, he's he's taken aside by these guys and yelled at, I guess, for looking at this secret map room that's in like a Nazi-controlled dig site. Mm -hmm. And he's not detained or arrested or... Maybe they think he's just being lazy and like being where he shouldn't be when they're doing digs elsewhere. Yeah, but they just let him go. Like they don't, yeah. they don't, they aren't like. You're not going to get shot for being lazy necessarily. No, but you, I would feel like they would escort him back to where he's supposed to be and, and tell his superior. Yeah, true. So yeah, th- this is more of just the how much language studies has he mastered to just do this correctly. So he's at at the school. He's a professor of archaeology, right? Yeah. Is it ever said like that he's got a particular focus on Egyptian archaeology or Middle Eastern or something? No, they don't really get into what exactly he is a master of in this this arena. But we'll see, you know, throughout the Indiana Jones franchise is that he's a master here. He's a master of the Crusades. He's a master of uh, Indian lore. So he just, he's... A, I think it's safe to say he just has all the expertise. It's true. His brain is huge. Big Brain Jones, that's what they call him. He's affixing the amulet to a stick that is the correctly measured length and placing it in the the correct hole on the platform so the sunlight will direct where they should be going to look for the ark. Now, um, at Disney World, there is a hidden Mickey. The park is loaded with different (laughs) hidden silhouettes of Mickey Mouse. Okay. 
and um, some of their engineers actually created a hidden Mickey that will only appear for a couple of hours on November 18th each year. Um, just the sun has to hit it just perfectly, and the hidden Mickey appears on Mickey's birthday. Hmm. That's interesting. It's in Ariel's Grotto. So is that just supposed to be a ray of light that's making the room brighter? Because that also, it seemed kind of like magic. So, yeah, when the light is hitting the, the amulet in a special way, you can almost see like a white bird or like a wing start to kind of appear in the light. So I wasn't sure if that shape was supposed to be significant or if that was supposed to just be the, because obviously that was done in post. It was just like the uh, shooting star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I assumed that that was supposed to just look like a, a starburst, like a generic starburst of, of light hitting a, an object and being too bright for the camera. So if you look closely at the amulet, you can see wings, like uh, arcing wings, almost look like either the wings of, I would say more, to me, it looks more like an eagle, but I guess it could also be a dove or any other kind of bird, but it definitely yeah. had that kind of wing. Yeah, it's, it. it's yeah. on the amulet and also on the arc on the top. There are two winged things. Yeah. I, I, but I didn't know that that was supposed to, I don't know if that's confirmed that that was supposed to, that the light there was supposed to look like wings. Well, uh Go back a little bit and try to freeze frame it um, okay. because it, it, to me, it was very clearly. That looks very bird-like on the. Yeah, I mean, I, I could buy that if if, if uh, it's it was confirmed or like said from someone on production or whatever that that was supposed to be a bird. I can definitely see it. Keep going a couple seconds because I think the wings get wingier. Oh, so. uh, sorry. It, that, that's going to be a hard thing to capture. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it's supposed to be birdie. Yeah. Okay, so then that was magic and the ray or whatever of light coming from the beam of light coming from the the amulets to the miniature model on the floor was like red, I think. I, I think that had to do with the stone. The, yeah, the, the ruby stone. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wasn't sure. Was that, that beam of light supposed to be just a normal beam of light or was that supposed to be magic? And you're saying that what I thought was just a starburst of light, you're saying that that part was supposed to be magic right i i think yeah that it's an implied like eureka moment but um yeah I, I think it's indicating that the magic um like it's a guiding like aha you're on the right path it's kind of like getting the uh da, 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 da. well yeah but uh, my my point is indiana jones just witnessed magic mm-hmm. and he never makes a big deal out of it maybe he didn't see it from the angle we did to him it was just a bathe of light yeah, maybe it was so bright that he couldn't really take in the shape of it. Yeah, because I imagine standing amidst the light that you were, you wouldn't be able to see what was emitting around you. Possibly. I'll buy that as a, a retcon ex- explanation. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> fifty nine, fifty one, the best scream. Because there's no doors here. So oh, okay. I have to give you a best scream. So before <laughs> so before I do that, I have something marked in my uh, timestamp section. There's no particular timestamp on it, but it's when... Because we don't need to see it to discuss it, but when Indiana finds uh, Lady Marion in the tent and doesn't free her, he says that he's found where the Ark is, is going to be, and if he frees her, then they're going to come looking, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want them to come looking yet. Yes. So I just had the question, uh, do you think that that was justified, and or do you think it was ethical for him to do that to her? Because he doesn't know what they're going to do to her. He doesn't know what they're going to do to her. He doesn't know what condition she's being kept in. However, if the goal of being there is 
he didn't know she was necessarily alive until he came upon her and he was overcome. Like you saw that emotion. His goal was to get the Ark and the Nazis cannot have the Ark. So the, the question is, is it ethical to save millions of people in theory that you don't know or one person that you do know? Okay. Well, I mean, this, this is this gets into kind of uh, philosophy one hundred and one, yeah. ethics one hundred and one. But it's also well, it's a variation on the trolley problem. But it also matters if it which was ethically best, if it's it, shown in uh, the Good Place. If you haven't seen that episode, they yeah they did a, a piece on that. But it, it, I feel like it also plays into the ethics of a situation that you know a person. Yeah, that's it has to have a a bigger moral weight than other persons that you don't know. And I think that that's not a bad thing because there are deaths, just you and me, we know about deaths all over the planet all the time and we don't shed a tear. But if someone we know dies, it'll, it'll ruin us. So that, that's just naturals. And I think that that's, that should be baked into our ethics. We can't care about everybody equally. We will just shut down if we care about every, everybody equally. Yes. And from what we know of Indiana, um, Jones specifically, he is a man about the field that he works in. He is very much a historian and an archaeologist. And so him, the prize is the Ark. Like, so Miriam is um, an inconvenience. I definitely agree with that. She is nothing but an inconvenience to the plot and him. But uh, do you think, since she is a human person that he knows, do you think it was ethical for him to do what he did? No. But... I get it. Like I, knowing his character, I understand why he did it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think he is, if the primary objective is to get the Ark uh, safely out of the hands of the uh, Nazis, then that was the most, that was his most and strategic he, move to make. And honestly, strategically, it makes sense. They hadn't killed her yet. He had no idea of what timeline they were working on to torture, kill, rape or whatever they have her for. Yeah. He doesn't know what they're questing for by keeping her specifically. Yeah. So it it makes sense that um, in his deducing logic that if they haven't killed her yet, they may not. But the may is the, it's not a definite. But he's right though. If they came back to the tent and she wasn't there. Oh no, I, I think it was a good strategic move, but I'm wondering if that makes him a bad person. It doesn't make him a great person. Because they might have killed her. They might have raped her. Yeah. They might have done all sorts of things. But they hadn't done it yet, so he didn't have any empirical evidence to suggest that they were just going to do that in the next 10, 15 minutes or however long it took. Yeah, but it's the uncertainty of a person that you care about being I'm, I'm potentially disag- killed or raped. I'm not disagreeing with you. It makes it, it him is, definitely more complex. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a heroic thing to do. And I'm fine with antiheroes, though he's not supposed to be really an antihero. But I, I think that he kind of is. I think he's, he's not a good person. Yeah, he he has his flaws. He's definitely flawed. Like, not even flawed in the same way that Sherlock is, because we're supposed to be rooting for him in a different way than we root for Sherlock. Yeah, and I think that the it's different between him and Sherlock because for Sherlock you might expect something like that. For Indiana Jones, I think you it's you, a cold indifference that we weren't prepared for. He, he's not set up to be a character that would do that. Yeah, I don't think, in in my estimation. Now, if James Bond was in this situation, what do you think James Bond would have done? 
Well, I haven't seen all the James Bonds, but I know that he loses ladies regularly. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's modeled after that. Uh, well, that's a good point. And I, but you ruined the fact that there's going to be a different lady in the next movie. And that she's winking at me as no, though I'm not I'm supposed to believe to her anymore. I, eyebrow play, but I don't have good eyebrows for that. Like you do, like you have very expressive eyebrows. So I, you gave me eyebrows and then a wink. I'm not really sure. It, it wasn't so much that I was trying to raise and lower my eyebrows until the only way I know how to do that is to kind of do a close winky. an eye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Indiana Jones, bad person.com. It's my new site. Slash or. Slash gov. Dot. Hello. Hello. Uh, 5951 is for me. For the best scream. Right. So this, uh, they are unearthing the well of souls for oh, the first time. Is it the. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, both Zach and I weren't watching this together. Rewound this. And I don't remember it being that funny before. <laughs> There's also, uh, if you'll notice, a 2D effect. It'll switch camera angles in a sec. You'll see a 2D effect that's over the the, the lid mm, there. The, the blue. I'm not sure what that was supposed to be because they don't see it again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and he covers his mouth, too. Like, what, what for? He was afraid that it would poison him. Why does the floor move? Okay, so this bothered me. Uh, why does the floor move? So he's about to drop a torch down there so they can see why the floor is moving. All right. It's full of serpents. God bless Now, how did they survive? Eating each other and like procreating in the same area? like Possibly, possibly. But look how bright it is down there. That torch is not necessary. I think it's only lit up so we can see that what's going on, but it's implied that it's dark. No, but we the, when the the lightning flashes, we see the lightning flash down here. It's it that is coming from above. Mm. That's purposefully lit to look like that we're getting illumination from the sky above or whatever. But it's it's very bright down there. There's there's a, a yellow light coming from the the background, and it's bouncing off all the walls and everything. It's there's a high ambience, but there's also a direct light coming from above. So I feel like if they recreated this scene more recently, they would have better technology to darken parts of the room and have a single focus point. And then, but I, I think they wanted to kind of illuminate the space to show the space more. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what they were or were not capable. Look at the, on the right side of the screen, or the feet of one of the statues. Mm -hmm. Look at how bright the backlight is on it. I'm, I'm not arguing. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just finding more and more sources of light in this uh, scene. No, I mean I I don't think that was a technological thing. I think that this was a stylistic choice. Mm -hmm. I think he just wanted uh, Stevie Spielberg wanted you to be able to see more of this, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It kind of bothers me that they're like, hey, we've got to drop down a torch so we can see what we're doing in this very bright scene. But especially just right in the area where it's most bright, they mm -hmm. drop the torch. Yeah, I mean I think if they wanted to make it dark, just don't have as many lights. That would be too logical. Um, too logical. More lights. But, I mean, they also have to set it up for later when the... the Everyone's the, down there. The lid is closed and they can still see what's going on down there. Mm -hmm. It's still equally bright. I, they had to make it consistent so they couldn't make it dark here and then bright later. So, I mean, I get that too. <laughs> uh, my next is... I was just talking about the... Uh, like the one of the more famous lines of why does it have to be snakes? But um, snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, just it's a famous Indiana Jones line. But um, somewhere in here, we do get to see the R2D2 and C3PO carved into 
one of the hieroglyphics somewhere in this room. I we don't we can't see it here. Yeah, but actually, can I uh, let me rewind real quick just to, to the scream? <laughs> yes, to the scream, and also get him in there. Get him under. Okay, so they're opening the lid again, and they pull it back. I'm just I want to I want to check out the uh, the the 2D effect that's over the the lid. And I, I'm not sure what it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be something mystical? Is it supposed to be like maybe they had kind of drawn something like it was supposed to highlight and accentuate some of the, the things in the depths of this tomb and make it look a little bit brighter? I don't know. See right here. All right. So what does it look like that is? We're at uh, 5956 for anybody following along. There's like this blue haze that's over top of the the lid and on the other side of the lid and I, I it doesn't move with the lid it looks like it's supposed to be part of the scene underneath yeah I'm, I'm not sure i never focused on it that much it's just curious it's it almost looks like a skull like um well i think that's the head of the statue there so maybe yeah maybe it was th- trying to throw you off and look like a skull <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Indy. Uh, he sounded like Mr. Bean there. Sorry, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you said your next one was when? 107.50. The world's coolest coat hanger. A reminder that this scene was all improv <laughs> This kind of... Oops. Rub- <laughs> Oopsie, you fell. <laughs> Alcohol isn't it's laughing juice. Why are they just laughing? It's I laughing, then you randomly this. stop and start crying, Juice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd understand why she would be laughing a lot, because she's trying to butter him up, but why is he laughing? Mm-hmm. He's flirting. I'm not saying he's good at the flirtation arts, I'm just saying it looks like he's flirting. Well, he is French. <laughs> he is here to have sex with your family. <laughs> <laughs> just keep laughing <laughs> there's yeah. no source of it all right well so, if it's improv you know, i yeah. don't know what line we're supposed to have <laughs> <laughs> i like you Renee, very much perhaps we'll meet someday under better circumstances all right here's main nazi man we meet again Fräulein. Fräulein. you americans you're all the same Always overdressing for the wrong occasions. What? Always overdressing for the wrong occasions. Thank you. I, but is that a stereotype that people have of Americans? Not that anymore. We, that we overdress for the wrong occasions? Not anymore. <laughs> now we're known to be kind of slovenly. That was, that was at one point a thing that we overdressed for the wrong occasions? Like going to get ice cream, we were, wore a tux? Well, I think that they also have a skewed vision of Americans because the Americans they were probably used to seeing were travelers and um, wealthy who could afford to travel to Europe. I've just never heard that as a stereotype. Neither have I. About any culture, uh, much less Americans. I just went with it. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think that should be our our little co-title for the tagline for the show. I just went with it. I didn't. Yeah. Allison goes along. Zach does not. <laughs> Zach buys not. Explain of it. yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but also for any of the fans of the game, The Elder Scrolls Oblivion, <laughs> when he says, You Americans are all the same, something deep in me wanted to go, 
All flesh and no fury. That's something that the guards say. If you play a high elf character, Mm -hmm. they say, you elves are all the same. All flesh and no fury. It's interesting to me how much subtle, not so subtle racism there is in Skyrim. (laughs) Oh, yeah, tons of it. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's not subtle at all. (laughs) No, no, no. no. It's quite apparent. Anywho. So we haven't seen the cool. Yes. I I just took issue with his (laughs) weird uh, stereotype of Americans. (laughs) And uh, to his left is a redundant Nazi. <laughs> a redundant Nazi. Yeah, I don't know what his character does for this movie. I don't know why we needed a different sinister Nazi. So he pulls out a device that looks like a torture thing. Nope, just a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun moment. And then both of those guys like sigh in relief. Like, oh, it's just a hanger. <laughs> funny little comedy moment. Yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed his coat hanger. Yeah. What should we do? God, he's so creepy. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't get creepy from him. I got that he was going for... Weasley creepy. I think he's very weasley. I think he was going for creepy, and maybe that I've just been spoiled by other performances that may have built off of what he did. Built on the shoulders of creepy. Yeah, and I, it just, it seemed like he was aspiring for creepy Mm -hmm. and didn't quite nail it. Mm. It, it more, especially when he laughed, it was more annoying to me. I was like, ah, it's not that funny. Settle down, sir. Look, I, I can get on board with your evil you know, mind and you know, it still isn't that funny. And they never really established him as like this great torturer. Yeah. I mean, it, and the, you had the secondary Nazi guy, the, the clean shaven, big jaw Nazi that later says he doesn't want to do the Jewish uh, ceremony or mm-hmm. whatever. It, he seemed like the redundant Nazi because he kind of filled the same role as creepy Nazi. But he's like the smart creepy versus the burly creepy. There's different levels of creepy. So like um, the, the, the guy that we're talking about with the coat hanger, he is this weasley smart kind of creepy. Yeah. And um, the other is more of just like a, a burly creep. I wouldn't even call him creepy. Yeah, there's a no, there's a, there, there's a personality difference. Creepy Nazi, the, the guy that's smart and torture he, cunning. He seems like a psychopath. Whereas the other Nazi seems like I'm going to punch you in the face. He seems like a king and country, if you'll pardon the, the expression, because that's more of an English thing. So it's yeah. fairly insulting. I'm king sorry. King and Fuhrer. Um, no, no, uh, Fuhrer in country. Yeah. He's Fuhrer and, and, and Mutterland. Yeah, and the Mutterland. Uh, he's, yeah, he seems more of a, a do your duty and a proud Nazi. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's much more of a... And I don't want to compare the two because there's kind of like a, a G.I. Joe almost kind of, you know. The, sure, yeah. yeah. And again, I'm not comparing G.I. <laughs> Joes to Nazis. <laughs> sure. But uh, I, it is curious to me. I, I'm not trying to say that they have the same personality necessarily, but I think they He's are, Homelander, but you haven't seen The Boys. I have not. No. Okay. Never mind. But they seem to be serving the same sort of function for the movie. The the heavy that comes into the room and and takes over a situation and kind of bullies Frenchie here, they're, saying they're you're not heavies. Yeah, and uh, he comes in and he tell he's he's trying to accuse Frenchie of not being pro Nazi enough. He like you're trying to protect the girl and whatever. And they they both seem like they could oh, oh, both yeah. serve you, you the same function. You don't have the stomach for this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if one of them was cut out. And it, I think it should have been the the more burly guy, the G.I. Joe fella. I think he could have been cut out of the movie and the creepy Nazi could have done everything. Yeah, I, I'm very curious how you're going to take some characters in the third movie. This is just making me scratch my chin. 
you know, the the invisible beard. Yeah. Kind of. We'll see. We'll see. Did you have anything more in this area? Yeah. My next one is not until one thirty nine forty two. Uh, okay, so this is just proving my point. Look how flipping bright it is down there. It's basically there's a, a second sun down they, there. They put down four, four torches. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so they just tossed uh, Marion down um, in with him. They're like, we'd hate for you to be lonely. <laughs> That's very nice of him. Very thoughtful. Oh, yeah. If you want to panic, you don't want to panic alone. No, 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 no. Uh, so they're about to... They're about to close the lid on top. Frenchie's going to close the lid. Adieu. To you and you and you. And you can see Jonathan Rice Davies on the ground kind of kneeling at gunpoint. That may have been where he soiled himself. Yeah, they didn't focus on him very much. They just... Poor fella. So we got lots some, of light. Some sneaky snakes. I think they could have even helped this situation or the, the problem I have with so much light down here by making the light yellow. So it at least kind of looks like it's coming from a torch, mm-hmm. but it's like incandescent light. Yeah, it's very white light. Take this. Wave it at anything that slithers. Oh, thank God. This whole place is slithering. Amy! Oh, <laughs> Jesus. What is it? He's funny, man. He has got comedy <laughs> chops. He really is. But what? It, it, she is not just a damsel in distress. Like, she's just, like, hurt. Why'd she just burn him? She thought the whip was a snake. It looks very snake like. Sure, sure. I mean, she knows him. She knows he carries a whip. He's had it the whole time. Who knows what he's done with it? Oh, what are you saying? I, I'm implying something that he might use it in a sexual nature. That's sick. You you are a sick person. For- Not that he was doing the Marquis de Sade from Waxwork. I'm just like tying someone up with a whip. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, now I've got an idea of what goes on in your household. And I am sickened. <laughs> I feel like you're very judgmental and puritanical. <laughs> yes, that's me. Uh, also... Sister, don't listen to this part of the podcast. <laughs> nope, now she knows. Yeah. She didn't want to, but she does. I feel like if I deny or say anything contrarian to that, it's just going to look worse. So I'm just writing with what you said and not either correcting or denying it. If she doesn't at least try to correct the record, that's that's basically affirmation. Not necessarily. It's I feel like anything I say would dig myself into a deeper hole of some sort. Cannon so. will be used against you in the court of law. <laughs> <laughs> in the court of Zach. In the court of Zach, I'm already guilty. So <laughs> always guilty. Guilty until you go to jail. What we were talking about, if done, is not illegal. <laughs> in the court of Zach, I deem it to be illegal. Then you are very vanilla. You are the new Barry Bostwick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my next one is 118. What did you say yours was? 3942. This is not the exact timestamp, but at a certain point, I didn't uh, mark it down. You Th- could- that's the new subcaption of this particular episode. <laughs> Zach didn't mark it down, but he wants to talk about it. Well, I think that we should do that more often, especially if there's nothing, like no audio that is going to be playing. Mm-hmm. We can just remember and talk about it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but at some point here, you can see... The reflection of the entire camera crew. So, indeed, just threw sand in the guy's face, and Marion is getting. Yeah, you're at the airplane. 
the airplane is rolling into a circle. Marion's getting inside the cockpit. It latches shut with her and the corpse of a soldier. There. Uh, and in the uh, reflection of the, the cockpit lid, um, I don't know if that's what that's called, but that's what I'm calling it. I think it's the canopy. The canopy. Um, you can see uh, the, the camera crew on the... Yeah, you can see a ton of people here, and there's a guy in a white shirt in the bottom right. Spielbs? Let's see. You can see it a little bit better here. Oh, now it's starting to warp. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Anyway, uh, he's fighting burly German fella now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a reminder that this whole scene was ad-libbed. Including the ew. <laughs> <laughs> I love the moment where he's on the wing of the plane and big burly German's like, come on down here or whatever he says. in, in Get over here. Get over here. Uh, whatever he says in German talk. Um, and then Indy's like, he turns around and just very begrudgingly goes, ah, and just kind of waves his hand at him. He's like, just calm down. I'm coming. <laughs> uh, this is very oh, funny. loud. He's coming. All right. So my next one is Uno 25, which I think is still ahead of yours. Correct. I like our remix. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, at one twenty-five, I've got here. It's not an exact timestamp. It's a big one. Doctor Indy Joe Man is in the truck. Does he have a doctorate? Yeah, yeah, he's doctor. Okay. Um, you know more than I do. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I remember reading. And actually, I think someone calls him Dr. Jones in the movie at the beginning. Yeah, you're right. They do. Anyway, Dr. Indy Joe is in the truck with the Ark. Mm-hmm. Driving. Yeah. Uh, where? Away. From? Nazis. Toward? Not where Nazis are. He's following the Nazi car. So, uh, oh, at this point, uh, he's using the arc as leverage. I'm just playing it. We can talk over it. So he's crashing into this fella. So I don't know if he's got dual purpose. So he wanted to take control of the truck so that he could get the arc. Mm-hmm. And now he also seems to be chasing the front car. For what purpose? I, I guess to run them off the road? I mean, he has a vendetta against Frenchie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frenchie is his Mycroft. Is Mycroft? Not Mycroft, sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong character. It's his brother. <laughs> Why is he so concerned about killing his brother? I meant to say his Moriarty. Yeah. I don't know why Mycroft is fucking to... Uh, two M words, I guess. In because I was just having a conversation about Mycroft with someone because I really like the version of Mycroft that's played by Stephen Fry. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of Stevie Fry and doing adaptations of things, I think that there needs to be an HBO adaptation of Harry Potter. I think that there should be an every season is a year or a, a book. So each book gets a whole season to play out. I think that would be awesome. And Stephen Fry should play Dumbledore. So I think that right now, because of all the JK stuff going on, that's not going to happen. Well, I'm not saying it's gonna. I just want it to. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of cancel culture, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's definitely been well and truly canceled. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but she wasn't even a single strike. She was like a three strikes. It's like, okay, you need to stop. Because she kept flipping. Everyone was like. She doubled down. She tripled down. <laughs> <laughs> she, I don't know. Just let it go, JK. <laughs> yeah, just let it go. 
like I, I, I'm not speaking for everybody. I, I don't consider myself like the the full throttle radical liberal. I mean, I, I have a, resu- a political resume I, that I, I agree with most of the liberal things. I think college education should be free, healthcare should be free, rights for everybody, and all, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, free up- rights for everyone. <laughs> Just giving out rights. Outright. But uh, I, I, I would forgive her if she just stopped, just stopped doing it. And like, I, I don't think what she's saying is right, but I think that people have the right and privilege in our society to be wrong about things. But I just... So you, you have the right to say whatever you want, but you are not free from consequence of what you say. I, yeah, and I totally yeah. agree. And people yeah. get fired for saying you know, ridiculous things, especially when it's on the job. They should be fired, of course. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons like I didn't want her last name broadcast on this podcast it's why i didn't want my real name used when uh i appeared a couple times on the atheistic cast because i didn't want it associated i feel like we talk about pretty tame vanilla things here yeah for the most part until i get on my soapbox yeah (laughs) well i did it a couple episodes ago it's fine yeah it's fine anyway so and and i'm not uh, i don't speak for any group this is just me I, i i would i think forgive her because i think i know where she's coming from i think she's wrong but I think I know where she's coming from. I don't think she's evil. I don't think she hates anybody. She's not educated about it, I think, is part of the problem. Yes. And I th- I, she just has old school perspectives on things. And I don't think that's she's, evil. She's your bigoted uncle. Kind of, yeah. I mean, but in a way that I, I just don't think she's evil. I don't think she's, she's got any malice. I think she is trying to defend women. And this is the only way she knows how to do it. She has a conception of what it is to be a woman that is just not modern. So I'll propose this question. If someone is harmed due to your misinformation, does that harm become your fault? So because she's promoting um, a rhetoric that causes trauma to the trans community because there's stereotypes of wrongdoing or hurt or harm that is caused by that community, which is not true. So, Well, I I don't think that... But she's not promoting that trans people are violent or uh, aggressors, at least not as far as I've seen. What I I think she is trying to do is to claim the identity of female for only biologically double X chromosomes. It was my understanding that she was promoting the idea of violence or harm caused by people who are hiding their true gender. Like that was the whole subplot of one of her stories outside of the Harry Potter universe. Maybe it is, and I just haven't heard of it. I, I've just seen what she's talked about on Twitter, and she did a big blog post about it a few months ago, and I read that long blog post, so I feel like I understand her thoughts on it. I disagree with them, but I, I, I don't think she's trying to be mean to anybody. I, I think education and communication and developing a better understanding is a way to improve, but she's doubling down without seeking more information. Well, and we don't know what she's doing. True. She could be doing more information, just not caring, or she or she be, just disagrees with the information she's reading, which is also true. A lot of people don't like reading all that President Trump has done for the country yeah. kind of articles. I I choose not to read or engage or absorb what's being said there. It, it's not even a willful ignorance. It's because it just feels like propaganda at that point. Sure. So I mean, we we don't know what she's doing on her side, and. Uh, Anyway, I, I just know that she's had a lot of trauma, and this is a, a reaction to that. Mm-hmm. This is trying to defend womanhood against men, I, I think is her angle. Okay, yeah. 
yeah. So anyway, but we're, we were on this truck scene, and I'm just wondering. So he's not seeking Mycroft. <laughs> he's not seeking Mycroft. I don't know what he's after. Maybe it's Moriarty. Maybe he's trying to drive all the way to uh, where Professor Moriarty's teaching. Oh yeah, or you know, just trying to get to safety of some kind. But no, you're right. He definitely is chasing down the. It seems that way. But also, why does the front car with the the top Nazis, the executive Nazis, why do executive Nazis? (laughs) (laughs) Why are they maintaining the lead? Why don't they try to pull over and get away from him? They don't know the roads. Well, I mean, it opens up occasionally, and and they don't try to. Like, I don't know. They just seem like they're leading him or running away from him. I, I don't even know, but I don't know why he's chasing them. He sh- in, in my opinion, he should try to leave them so that he can take the Ark to safety. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall where is Marion at this point, because if they have her, yeah, that's uh, why he's chasing them, or isn't it? Is, is she in the front car? Oh, also a tidbit. When uh, uh, Harrison Ford gets shot in the car, they were trying to reduce the amount of blood that you saw in the movie. So instead of liquid, when he gets shot, it uh, explodes a bit of, I think it was cayenne pepper. (laughs) That would feel awful if that got in your nostrils. Yeah, it was really playing havoc with the stunt people. Okay, so look in their car. It's blurry. I can't see what's in there. Well, so she was in the cave where in the, in the, the, the well of sorrows or souls, whatever, with Dr. In. Mm Mm-hmm. How did they get out? They broke uh, one of the walls. They rigged something to knock down one of the walls. He saw an asp come through the hole of oh, one. He, he knocked yeah. the statue over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and through that, they were able to push out a brick and kind of slide out. But I'm, And then that's when the uh, airplane fight happened. Okay. So she was in the airplane cockpit. Uh, Indy jumped up, got her out. It exploded. And then... I forgot how he got into the truck. And I just he, he was on a horse. Oh. He got a horse and he rode up next to the, the truck and jumped onto it and left her behind with, I guess, Sala. Okay. I guess. So she's back there. So she's we not saw. in the car. Okay. So anyway, I just don't understand what he's, why he's chasing them. Just stop the car. Well, especially right now, that guy would go flying. Uh, well, not anymore. Yeah. Oh, oh here. I did, ha- I did want to talk about this. He's punching uh, Indy and, and is about to throw arm. him threw him through the, the front windshield, which was, that takes a lot of strength to throw a person, yeah. especially while you're seated. See, yeah, well, <laughs> so I'm working with a personal trainer right now, and some of the actions that she has me do are like seated raises. Like, um, so if you have your weights and you're seated with your legs um, straight out in front of you and raising them, it actually takes more control for your core mm. and uh, takes more strength to do. So even if you have a lower weight, it's still a harder task. Mm. Um, and so just, I, I can't imagine try, like seated in a, like trying to get that range of motion because throwing someone, you, you need a bigger range of motion to get that kind of trajectory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it also says something about the integrity of the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. would just flew right go, through. Mercedes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, well, my note for this section was just that this thing is not built Tonka tough. <laughs> it's a Mercedes, not a Tonka. <laughs> so the, he grabs onto the uh, the ornament, and that just bends right off. Yeah, and then I the don't front. Know that I would want my car brand associated with this falling apart piece of turd. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then like the the grill at the front starts falling apart instantly.
Anyway, so the stunt that he does on the truck here was a classic stunt done in, I can't remember what movie, but it was done by somebody else. It's a very famous stunt when you kind of crawl under a moving truck. Mm -hmm. So they customized this truck to be jacked up a little bit higher so that it'd be safer for him to do it. But that was actually Harrison Ford uh, shimmying uh, under the truck, scraping against the ground. He did that stunt and uh, bruised several ribs. Ouchies, but good good for him. You know, not yep. a lot of actors will do their own stunts like that. Yeah, and he did that one, and he did, he did the climbing down from the uh, the ceiling on the rope. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he was seems like he was doing a lot of stunts. Anyway, that that's all uh, I think I have for this. Well, I've got another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's another truck based comment. So at one twenty nine twenty, Indy drives into town, and I want an explanation for this. All right, so he's he's just pulled into town in this like plaza area. Lots of different villagers and stuff kind of crowded around. He just pulls into this cubby mm-hmm. and a bunch of villagers crowd around the cubby to hide it like this was organized. He even Maybe said to Salah's place, but he even said to Salah, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He said, I'm just I'm just doing this as I go along or whatever. He said something to the effect of I'm doing this by the seat of my pants. I don't have a plan. So how could this have been planned out? Maybe Salah was just prepared. Salah seems to be very prepared in everything. I mean, because he would be the person that knows the villagers and has his own crew. So maybe his plan was, if I get it, I'm going to drive it back to Saul's. Better call Saul. Yeah, but this isn't a residence. So you think that Salah also has a store? Yeah, I mean, he has workers that he hires out, like digging crews and things. And so... Uh, this sure. says this says Omar's Garage on the top. Oop. So how many people are going to like zoom in to see Omar's Garage? Uh, I did. And <laughs> <laughs> so unless Salah's first name is... Omar. Omar. Omar Salah. And he owns a garage. Why not? I'll tell you why not. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Because his name isn't Omar. It's Salah. But you don't know his first or last, or it could be either. It could be, but we've never been given that information. So it's a really big leap to make. We made worse leaps. And even if that is his garage, which it totally isn't, there was no plan. So just that he had a bunch of people crowded around ready to keep up this ruse. It bends the laws of credulity. Yeah. Do you not agree? No, I mean, it's a little far-fetched, but I can explain it away a little bit. I mean, you choose not to go with me on this journey, but that's my... It's Omar's garage. (laughs) Well, maybe Omar's garage is a front for Salah. Maybe. And Indy knew that. (laughs) This is uh, having the effect of we were talking uh, in Waxwork about wet zombies. We are like, (laughs) it had just rained recently. It's rebirth. (laughs) That's always the explanation. Yeah. It's very easy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Surely nature would dry them. It just rained. <laughs> <laughs> the grass was grass was moist. It's it's foggy out. There's condensation everywhere. Condensation. That too is condensation. Anyway, oh, oh okay. So I, if we let this play out, so the Nazis pull in and they don't see him because he hid in a cubby and everyone's covering for him for some reason. How about some melons? Fuck your melons. And that dog, apparently, that doesn't exist. And maybe they were just willing to help him because they hate Nazis. But they didn't know who he was. He drove in in a Nazi truck. Listen, clearly he was evading something (laughs) and they assumed it was Nazis. (laughs) Because Salah didn't even know that he was going to be driving a truck. He left in a horse. He did. 
None of it makes any sense. Sure it does. Nope. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> We're about to see people enveloped by ghosts and creatures that are part of this ancient relic. And this is the part you can Yes, get- because they set up the magic. The magic is in-universe makes sense. In-universe, he left on don't, a horse. Don't you Trump hands me. He left on a horse. He came back in a Nazi truck. I really want to throw a cup of tea in your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <sighs> All right, so here we've got Gimli saying goodbye to people. Everything at last has been arranged. The Ark is on board. They're at a ship Nothing yard. is lacking now that you're here. That's all what is left of you. Trust these guys? Yes. Mr. Katanga. Katanga. I like that name. It's got a very strong end. Katanga. Mr. Katanga, these are my friends. They are my family. I will get of it if they are not treated well. All right, so just before that, he said that Indy asked him if he trusts these people, and he said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then he had the captain come over and says, I'll hear about it if these guys come to any harm. Do you trust them or not? Well, I think he also is making a show of it. He's very theatrical, Mr. Ray Davies. He sure is. and uh, He is more theatrical than others. I was going to give you another quest- another bonus question in the quiz earlier if you didn't get the first bonus Okay. And it was going to be how many times does Monica or whatever her name is, Monet, Monet, what the hell is her name? Marion. Marion. How many times does Marion kiss Sala? Twice. Incorrect. And do you remember what the kisses represent? Oh, uh, for fire, for something, and for something. So three times. Yep, three times. I remember for fire. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the others. As far as I, I'm remembering, too, I think it was Fire Family and for you. Oh, yeah. Can't forget you. My cabin is theirs. Mr. Jones, I've heard a lot about you, sir. Your appearance is exactly the way I imagined. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's a joke we don't know. Goodbye. He's giving him a he's giving Indy a big bear hug. You're my good friend. That that almost sounds like he's friend zoning him. You're my <laughs> special friend. <laughs> so Harrison Ford's a sexy man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like watching his old movies, seeing him young again, he's got to be up there with the sexiest of men. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Right. Were you expecting me to argue? Not necessarily. I'm just. It's but, a, it surprises but, me. Yeah. No, he, he has this, like, I don't know. Beauty. Yeah. It's this certain appeal to him, like very rugged, very manly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Grows a nice beard. Just his jawline's amazing. He tans like a champion. And you feel like he knows how to fix the drip in your sink. Like, he just, he knows. I don't know, actually, about that. Because his character's more like he would do it, but he would end up hurting himself and I'm not talking about Indiana Jones specifically, but Harrison Ford the man. Yeah, but I, I mix his person. In, in my mind, his personality is a combination of Indiana he and, is and Han Solo. Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I just, I feel like he would know how to, you know do that and he'd be really good at changing your uh light bulbs i was gonna say um Radiator. fire alarm batteries oh okay that is for <laughs> fire that is for your children and this is for you children children not family yeah same thing he's in love <laughs> uh, yeah he sings a lovely tune excuse me <laughs> look how happy 
Kishtar is a soaring soul as free as a mountain bird. I love his voice. His energetic fist should be ready to resist a dictator. Not a sweet man. He is a sweet little man. 139.42. Oh, we're passing by their uh, bedroom scene <laughs> where she smacks him in the head with the mirror. Where do you have an ouchie? Here. <laughs> <laughs> On his elbow. <laughs> that was that is honestly a sweet scene. Yeah. It's very lovely. It makes me smile. Indiana Jones has snuck upon the um, the Nazi ship and he knocks out a guard and he's trying to put on the uniform, but it's too small. Guard comes upon him and he's accusing him of being an unkempt slob. I like that he smiles like he's going to go along with it and kicks him. (laughs) And gets the better fitting uniform. (laughs) That that was all. I just thought that scene was hilarious. Just, what are you doing? You look like this slob. Like, even though I don't speak German, like, I kind of got the point. Like, he was chiding him for not being properly attired and looking bad. I I read the, uh, the translation of it and it was exactly that i mean it was kind of just cobbled together phrases like you, you look like a pig yeah you're, you're looking scruffy you, you're not wearing your best court clothes or something like that <laughs> fix yourself yeah sir fix yourself so 142 is my next one all right so this one is with dr harry four standing on the ledge of the cliff sides or whatever pointing a rocket launcher down at the nazis mm-hmm. and his lady love you never leave home without your bazooki Oh, bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I don't know if you remember me uh, recalling what I could remember of this movie before rewatching. But this is the only thing that I remembered from when I was a kid when I watched this. So do you see how the, the grenade launcher has kind of like a back brace to it? I wonder what kind of kick that thing has to, to require that kind of a back bracing. Hmm. I don't know if that's for the, the kick or not. It may be, but if it's got a, a kick that would require something like that, you would think that it would also knock you down and you would have to do it from a, a crouching perspective or with uh, it kind of mounted on the side of something. Yeah. I don't think that it's for the kick. I could be wrong, but I would assume it's not for the kick. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, it had something to do with either like you said, balance or, or kick. Yeah, I, w- I would guess balance. And maybe it's just very heavy. Yeah. And so it's just for control. So in this scene, you'll see, I don't know if you noticed while you were watching, or maybe this is common knowledge, but you'll see a fly go into Frenchie's mouth and it looks like he eats it. Not even me. Is it? Ugh. You're going to give mercenaries a bad name. <laughs> Dr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you never noticed that before. No. So the fly go, uh, goes up to his lip and actually it flies away. But I think the way they cut it, you don't see it. Stevie Spielbs thought it was hilarious. So he cut out just a couple frames that you could see the fly flying away. So it's seamless. The camera doesn't actually cut, but he just cut out a couple frames where you see the fly flying away to make it look like it goes into his mouth and he eats it. He thought it was very funny. So I, I'm a bad actor. I would have made a huge scene of like... <laughs> <laughs> I won't I have a fly on my person. I, I'm not going to... I know this is costing us thousands of dollars, but excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the days where you actually had limited film. You had to get that thing shot. Yeah, because it... <laughs> 
celluloids. Like, yeah, you just run out of a reel. You have to stop everything to put in a new reel, and you only have limited amount of reels. It'll leave you reeling. Yeah, I'd be reeling all day long. All right, so my last one is the oxine at the very end. Mm-hmm. I think and, mine probably aligns with that, which is the 14603. All right, here we go. So, um... My note for this is just, at what point do you feel like you must have made a mistake? <laughs> like, you, you awaken something that you only know legends about, but you have no way of knowing how to really control it or what's going to happen, yeah. truly. Yeah. So, what makes you think this is a great idea? Well, I guess at that point, they've... they've uh, Don't look at it. Shut your the sunken cost uh, fallacy. They've done so much to get it, they can't <laughs> stop now. Yeah, and I will say that if you freeze frame on one of the spectral beings, she is quite beautiful. Oh, the one that approaches, yeah, uh, main Nazi, Nazi main, creepy Nazi, as we dub him. Actually, I don't think you ever do hear his name. I think he's just Nazi man. All right, so I read a little bit about how they achieved this effect. Mm-hmm. They had mannequins underwater. And they shot it in slow motion through a fuzzy lens to uh, get this kind of ethereal look. <laughs> so the the burly Nazi, he kind of has a Christopher Maloney appearance. So this doodles. that fiery effect that goes over his face, they actually did later on. They didn't plan on having that effect. They put it there because the MPAA said that they were going to give this an R rating. Mm. And because his head explodes, and they thought that that was nasty. Little they didn't want that in that movie. A little too much. So much too th- much. they put a fire effect in front of his face while he was exploding because they thought that it made it a little bit more fantasy looking. Mm. And it seems like that energy is like raiding out from him. So, like, yeah. he's some sort of conduit, which, you know. See, these starburst effects are kind of similar to what we saw in the map room. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's intentional. His screaming seems out of character for him. Maybe not. I don't no, know. No, he, he seems like that Weasley person who loves to dole out pain but doesn't know how to take any. Right. Um, also, I imagine that's quite terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. The face melting scene is just one of the coolest. Not the, his, yeah. like, so cool. So do you know how they achieved that effect? Wax. Yeah, wax melted over time. Mm-hmm. So that's become a, a pretty standard effect. But I believe this was the first time that it was ever done like this. Yes. And uh, apparently they had effects guys from all over the industry calling th- to ask how they did this so that they could do it in their movies. Yeah, it, it's a really cool effect. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Also, kind of makes me want tomato soup. I'm curious why one head exploded and the other melted. They're like vampires, and <laughs> <laughs> some explode, some implode, some melt, some fart, some go quietly, some go scream. <laughs> and the legend of the Frog Brothers continues <laughs> as uh, the Nazis are sucked up into this weird spectral asshole. Yep, the big anus in the sky, and then the lid miraculously does not crack it's made of god stuff yeah well i was also going to say lands just so all right well there you have it i don't have anything else in this movie do you no all right stand back everyone it's time for act four (gasps) 
The rose-tinted feels. Get in with the feeling. Allison? Yes? Tell me. I'll tell you. Was this movie as good as you remember? I have a yes, but. Do you? I do. So it actually has been quite a long time since I've sat and watched the full movie. Mm -hmm. Like it'll come from time to time on TV and I'll watch clips and things of that. But I feel like sitting for a full watch through, it was much less of an action energy to me. And I laughed at it more. (laughs) (laughs) And so like I wasn't as like, you know, my, my breath didn't catch. And I found, you know, like when Melina's head is on a spike, it like it looked very fake. And yeah, so yeah. like it, it had been it's been a considerable amount of time since I've actually watched it and paid attention. So I will say that it was more funny to me. Um, like it, it was more action comedy than pure action. Yeah. 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 I can, I can see that. I Although I will say that. I did have moments of the breath catching, like the intensity of of a scene. Where I could you're feel. on the edge of your seat. Yeah, I just thought, shoveling popcorn. I, I did get that a lot, but I I did like you also laugh at a, 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 quite a lot of it, <laughs> and also yeah, your, the effects, especially the human prosthetics. Yeah, in the the tomb and stuff like that were very faky. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was weird. I didn't have a timestamp for this, but I thought it was weird how when Melinda, uh, Monica, Marion, I don't know why I keep going for like a different M sort of sound. But uh, when Marion was in the the well of souls, I think mm-hmm. she like stumbled into a section with a a lot of uh, corpses. Skeletons, yeah. yeah, and she first of all couldn't extricate herself from it. Couldn't just walk back the way she came. Well, it it also seemed very supernatural. Like they seemed to envelop her and almost had a wailing. So that actually reminded me a lot of the Poltergeist movie. Okay, I think I've seen some of it. So that is one of my favorite movies it's considered classic horror and i don't find it scary but i find it very intriguing like the the mm. whole story is very i i don't know i've been raptured it has very creepy elements to it definitely but yeah there's a scene where the mom is in a uh, pool that they're carving and constructing into the ground it hasn't been cemented yet so it's just basically a mud pool and she falls into it and suddenly skeletons appear around her and just kind of they almost seem alive. This had that that very similar feel to it. Well, you were, when you were saying that they've, I think you said something about the the sound effect when they were mm-hmm. around. They did actually. They were there were screaming sound effects, like when she yeah. when like the camera would kind of whip pan to face a new skeleton. You hear like this drop and it would scream. Yeah, and yeah. you you'd hear literally a person going yeah. like that sort of thing. And oh, do you think that they were trying to the the film was trying to say that? there was they were actually making a noise or was that like in her head or just filmically for dramatic effect so i think it's um she believed they were making the screams or it was believable that that was happening my guess and i'm no forensic expert but um you know these are corpses that have been kept away from new air for quite some time so the decay would have happened but when the wind did whistle through them i do wonder if maybe there was like a permeation that was causing that kind of scream effect from like um it's blowing fresh from from the still air that had been kind of piling in them i i don't know how that would work like it, it it's not the same thing as like 
rigor mortis or like when you drive past a corpse and it's kind of bloated because of air or gases but like yeah uh, there there is a thing where a newly dead body will sometimes expand expel gas yeah. like fart or burp mm-hmm. or sometimes they'll sit up mm-hmm. and things well, like that's terrifying <laughs> yeah i mean th- there are all sorts of weird things that a, a newly dead body can do mm-hmm. but a, a way dead body like that that's just bones well, I just assumed like maybe it was like worrying through the like kind of tunnel where they were that was making the illusion of a screaming. Now, how they were all kind of falling in around her, like I, I think it was a panic thing. I don't think they were actually moving. No, no. I And I think that was clear that mm-hmm. they weren't actually moving. She was moving them mm-hmm. because she was kind of terrified, uh, terrifyingly yeah. kind of uh, shuffling. I don't know why she didn't just back out. But anyway. Yeah, I don't, we don't uh, always what wind, think logically when we're terrified. What wind did you are you saying was blowing through their bones? So, like it, when they opened the 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 room up, like when the the statue kind of came through, there seemed to be wind blowing about her hair in that scene in her dress, and so you could mm. kind of see a movement of wind. So I thought maybe the screaming was more the wind kind of pulling through, like a like a vacuum kind of thing. Mm. I'm skeptical of that. I, I don't. I, I don't see how that could have happened. But maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I just figured it was for dramatic effect. Like they're not saying oh, that very that was dramatic. Yeah. really happening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they were trying to imply that it was really happening. But was, she believed it. I, I think maybe it was just for the audience. Like it was just there to to add something to scare the audience. Just for you, it's, the audience. It's like when something scary happens and the music spikes up. Mm-hmm. It's just for the audience. Like, and I, I think that th- this was trying to achieve a similar effect. Mm-hmm. just freak out the audience so has your perspective on anything any events in the movie changed over the years no not really so i was trying to remember where i heard it i, I believe it's tina fey who's like you know i'm seeing indiana jones and i wasn't confused to about nazis i knew to hate them <laughs> oh yeah yeah so i, I don't think it, there's anything there's any in bad taste depiction of being positive on nazis or anything like that yeah. but i would say that the the depiction of the only female, the major female role in she in was the not film. a strong character. No, and I think that she, I've seen quotes from her on how she was fighting to make her a strong character, and by all accounts, it seems like she thinks she succeeded. So I can only imagine the pathetic excuse for a person that she, her character was originally written to be. Yeah. Because now, I mean, she's still always running around like a chicken without a head going, Andy, help me. <laughs> oh, just you wait, my dear. Just oh, you wait. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, she did. She whacked a couple people over the head with, like, the, the, the blocks that were used to stop the plane from rolling. And she did have a some log sh- in the sharp, cunning bar fight idea like the the drinking to fool people yeah she she had a little bit of shrewdness to get out of a situation Mm -hmm. but it didn't help the plot ever no except to establish that she's shrewd she didn't get herself out of that yeah i I guess i i didn't take into effect that we didn't have a strong female character to idolize um but that's also in line with bond films which is what this was aspiring to be its own version of a bond film and i'm not expecting this movie to have been like the the feminist icon yeah because like when you think of females in action movies i think atomic blonde was one of the first ones i've seen where the female lead was so strongly sharp and kick-ass independently of any salt i didn't see salt ha (laughs) 
You said sea salt. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I saw it in the... This is not a Saw movie. I saw it. I see, have you ever seen Saw? Uh, I, I didn't see Saw. <laughs> you should see Saw. Um, <laughs> I don't know what this dumb. is. All of a sudden we've dumb. turned into like... We've turned into 1030 versions of ours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Where was I going? Strong female characters. Salt. Uh, it was an all right movie, but yeah, she was kind of a badass lady. There was that. There was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It you, was. You just are picking all the Angelina Jolie. I like Angelina Jolie. I'm not going to apologize for that. I uh, won't ask you. <laughs> Matrix. Trinity, but, Trinity was pretty kick-ass. But she wasn't the sole focus. No, but she was a lead. Uh, so um, I would say if we were giving this the, the vegetable test, Matrix would fail it because her sole purpose for doing anything was Neo and the love of Neo. But it wasn't it wasn't the love of Neo initially. She was on her mission because the she had to recruit the Oracle. Him. The Oracle told her that she would love the 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 chosen one. When Neo is kind of passed out, um, he's been shot by the Smiths. Um, Carrie Ann Moss whispers to him, "You can't be dead because the Oracle told me right. this. Um, so get up." <sighs> okay, well. Yeah, but I don't think that was her sole thing. Like she, she was, she had other missions, and she even says like to Neo, like at some point, I to the something to the effect of, "You're not the most important thing around here. We've been fighting this fight for a while." Like she, I think she had more going on than just caring and about him and loving him. I would argue that her sole purpose of being there was what the Oracle said. Oh well, at that point, but she had a, a whole career in history of being a badass before the start of the movie. Oh yeah, she was um, you know, cyber warrior of some kind and Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying she's not a badass and I think Carrie and Moss did a fantastic job. I'm just saying that she doesn't pass the vegetable test. Well, what's the exact criteria that she has to meet? Oh, let me pull that up. Well, while you're doing that, let me think of other movies. Um um it is kind of sad that it's uh it's so hard to think of one. Um, let's see. The Bechdel test asks whether the work features at least two women who talk to each other oh. about something <laughs> other than a man. Okay. Well, the other woman in the matrix, the first one was the blonde lady. The requirement is that two women talk must to each be other. named. <laughs> well, she probably is named and I just can't remember it. But I don't remember if they talked to each other. And if they did, it probably would have been about Neil. <laughs> Let's see. Someone actually wrote a uh, statement on it. So according to thebetchedultest.com, uh, The Matrix does pass it, but it's the, they're kind of like, Only yeah, just. yeah, it does, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go. So. Charlie's Angels? Which one? All of them. Three women. They must talk about something other than a man at some point. Let's see. So apparently the, the newest one did. Well, that one was directed by Elizabeth Banks, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a real life badass. So. And apparently so did the uh, the Cameron Diaz one. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be action people. There's no way they're going to go an entire movie without mentioning something other than a man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it can't happen. So do you think this contributed something to cinema? Yeah, I think so. Um, I at least think that it elevated action movies over what they used to be. 
Um, I think that it did a lot for special effects and make there were a lot of practical effects and uh, action sequences that were just really smooth. They, I, I think they did really well. So, I mean, things like the prosthetics for the fake bodies in the tomb and stuff like that look corny and cheesy. And by today's standards, the melting face and the exploding face are so not just ubiquitous, but just bad now, <laughs> like bad by today's standards. I mean, even practical effects could achieve so much better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to give them props for the time. It was amazing and revolutionary. And that's why I'm saying it. it I think that did something for cinema. Because they invented all new special effects. So I think that it, it did something. It's bad by today's standards. Though, though Those special effects. But like, you know, the, the car chase scenes and stuff like that. Uh, do you think something in the early 80s to late 70s do you think was doing? Well, The Great Escape comes to mind as far as chase scenes. As well. Steve McKean. Oh. <laughs> well, and I haven't seen that. Okay. So, yeah. and I, obviously the 70s had a lot of car chase scenes. Yeah, 70s, 60s, I would say. But it was usually things flipping over and exploding instantly and. <laughs> Which I associate with the '90s a lot. Was a oh lot, really? A lot of '90s car explosions. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. it carried into the '90s certainly. Like, didn't Speed have that? Yeah. Oh, Speed. <laughs> so, um, I I think that you know it was another one of those films that also helped solidify the summer blockbuster because you know it just yeah, yeah it it really proved that there was the desire for cinema goers to have these action summer films. Absolutely. So uh, I think we've kind of gone over if anything should be changed for a modern audience. Yeah, I mean, it's I would just give I would make the female character if stronger. Yeah, if not, um, also I don't like the this the the cliche of strong woman, like she has to be totally independent and all this stuff, and it, it just becomes kind of uh, it mocks itself. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that depiction. So she can be strong but imperfect and you know whatever. Just make her less annoying. That's what I'm after. <laughs> she make her Gal Gadot. She can be played by Gal Gadot. Sure, why not? Oh no, I just I, when I think of like a, a strong woman, for some reason she's the person that pops in my head right now, and it's because I haven't given up my love of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was great, but when I think of strong woman, I think of the South Park. Uh, oh, there's a oh, woman. Prin- is a woman called Strong Woman. PC principles. Yeah, her yeah. his strong woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just it's so it it you can't just have a strong woman and her just being able to do everything. She's just the best in the room and whatever. That's not interesting. Mm-hmm. Imperfect characters are interesting. Just don't make them annoying and totally dependent on someone else. That's yeah. that's ridiculous. Codependency. Yeah, it's the thing. So we're at the Rose and Thorn time already. The Rose Award Ceremony? What? <laughs> Whoops, damn it. <laughs> Wrong God, thing. I can't believe it. Oh, Zach. Act five, the Rose Award Ceremony. Mm-hmm. All right, so thank you, everyone. Who on earth would you give your Rose Award to? Sala. Because he read Indy's mind? Actually, no, he was just uh, telepathic and understood he was coming in with a, a, a Nazi truck, and then he bought Omar's garage Really quick, on the fly, bought his garage and then hired a bunch of people to come They out. hadn't even had a chance to change the sign That's yet. genius. Yeah. That's genius. No, I just, I think he is a smart, um, knowledgeable character who really helped Indy get the information he needed. He is clever, like how he was going up to the soldiers like, oh, are you enjoying your meal? Like, you know, just trying to cause a distraction. And Yeah, yeah. I just, I think he is a, a great character and i honestly want to know more about sala's story i'll agree with that i think he was uh, apart from indy i think he was the most compelling character in the movie mm-hmm. uh, very good and and i just i really felt that he helped like his knowledge base his history his language skills 
and not only that but his key to the community like he he was the reason indy was able to be successful there at all i don't think indy would have had the success if it weren't for sala that's a compelling point so i gave mine to dr indy joe Mm -hmm. but you you're you're kind of swaying me with uh, all this talk of salad so one thing that I will say also, um, there is a clip from the Big Bang Theory where Amy brings up to Sheldon that with Indiana Jones movies, Indiana Jones is not a necessary character. But I'd prefer to pull up that clip and let her describe it herself because... Well, I, I can't agree with that. Now, he didn't... So the Nazis would have found it eventually was her point. I, I really want to play you that clip. They couldn't have because they didn't they didn't have the correct length of uh, staff. Uh, I think we should find the clip because she does a better job. <laughs> Good. I enjoyed it. When you told me I was going to be losing my virginity, I didn't think you meant showing me Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time. My apologies. I chose my words poorly. I should have said you were about to have your world rocked on my couch. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for watching it. It's one of my all-time favorites. It was very entertaining, despite the glaring story problem. (laughs) Story problem? Yeah, where did the... Why did he... (laughs) Hide the truck in Omar's garage. What a dewy-eyed mooncalf you are. Raiders of the Lost Ark is the love child of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, two of the most gifted filmmakers of our generation. I've watched it 36 times, except for the snake scene and the face-melting scene, which I can only watch when it's still light out. But... <laughs> I defy you to find a story problem. Here's my jaw. Drop it. All right. Indiana Jones plays no role in the outcome of the story. If he weren't in the film, it would turn out exactly the same. The length of the staff. I see your confusion. You don't understand. Indiana Jones was the one in the hat with the whip. No, I do. And if he weren't in the movie, the Nazis would have still found the Ark, taken it to the island, opened it up, and all died. Just like they did. Length of the staff. (laughs) Well, I mean, she's wrong, so... Let me close that for you. So they eventually would have found it, is her point. If they just dug up the entire country? How can anyone ruin readers? It's perfect. Yeah, except for the fact that Indiana Jones is completely irrelevant to the story. Yet with or without him, the Nazis find the Ark, open it, and die. (laughs) Okay, but they wouldn't. And also, even if they uh, would have, Mm -hmm. because of Indiana Jones, it was returned and then put into government storage. So at least it's under control. Yeah, it's under control. So, I mean, it's it's So she's wrong. On two counts. Well, if the Nazis all burnt on this secret base, we don't know if it ever would have been found again. We don't know anything about this secret location. Well, just the, the next the next people to arrive on that island would find it. Yeah, we're assuming someone comes to that island. It will happen at some point. Yeah. I mean, the, the conclusion of the movie, like the Nazis, she she's right in the sense that the Nazis probably would have found it eventually. Well, but I disagree with that because they didn't have the proper dimensions for the staff. Oh, yeah, they only had one side of the palm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. She's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that that was a, a funny, any face. Oh, so Thorne screaming Nazi. Well, hang on. I, I didn't establish back on the the rose. You said that yours was Salah. And I, I had originally said mine was Indy Joe because I think he found it and brought it back. 
But I think I'll, I'll change mine to Salah because I think he he did so much of importance. I don't think Indiana would have been successful. Yeah, because without Salah's contact, they wouldn't have known to subtract the two inches. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Uh, should, I, should, I have more to say. <laughs> no. I like how you flinched. You're like, what is this? <laughs> well, I thought you were actually doing that to me. Um, uh, no, but I, I totally agree. I, I think that that was the, probably the most important thing to, to find out in the movie. Other, uh, he Your would have been is wrong. just as lost, it, perhaps more lost than the Nazis. Yeah. Um, in fact, how did the Nazis figure it out without this contact? So when they were digging the hole, like everyone was kind of like crowded around where they were at the dig site and Frenchie saw like the action there. He was like, hang on, something's not right. They shouldn't be over there. And just Oh, that was another thing. I thought I had that uh, time stamped. So they were digging over there where uh, Indiana Jones and his people were digging over there in plain sight of everybody. Well, you can't really hide that. How did they not get rumbled before they dug it all the way up? It looks like they were doing it in the in the night when everyone else was sleeping. There are night watches. Well, I don't know. They had, just, they had, they had lights up there and everything. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it was a perfect plan, but it seemed like. Well, and some of them were Salah's people. So Salah's people, you're assuming that one German was being vigilant at night. Well, but it wouldn't even take a supreme vigilance to see. People, lights and digging. And sh- lights and digging yeah. just kind of close by where people shouldn't be lighting and digging. Yeah. That, I, it, it wasn't a perfect plan. <laughs> it's also, I think, an oversight for the uh, the story makers. But they also had to move quick, so I don't think they had time to develop a, a good plan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know that there's a better plan. Yeah. Other than getting a, a shroud to cover the whole dig site. And that would also look... Uh, it's a bit suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a, like, what's that shroud doing over there? Don't worry about it. It's the Turin shroud. <laughs> anyway, so you said your your thorn goes to? Screamy weasel Nazi. Screamy weasel Nazi. <laughs> All right, so he was the the biggest uh, detractor in the film. He just personally, like, I don't think he contributed anything to the film. Now, if we're talking about just someone who inhibited the hero from finishing the story, Marion um would i think be that because i gave it to her she yeah she's a little fly in the ear yeah fly in the ointment burning him when he doesn't ask to be burned (laughs) smacking him in the head with a mirror now that she's she's clumsy clumsy does not a villain make if villains were clumsy i'd be i'm not saying she's the villain but she is definitely the fly in the ointment (laughs) so um genre action yes i gave it a six six Mm, that's brutal um, I gave it a rather high score uh, for action. I gave it a 9.5. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super action-y. I thought the action was fun and gripping. Uh, I, it was fun. It was entertaining. But again, I'm going based on your notion that 10 is perfect. Well, not perfect. Just I can't imagine better. Mm-hmm. And it did set out to, it, it showed what it set out to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I didn't give it a perfect score. I gave it a 9.5, meaning that I think that it was flabby in some areas. Um, but overall, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was, I had a lot of fun. Yay. I'm glad that you liked it. Mm-hmm. Directing? Directing, I gave an eight. So I've written uh, prose. It was amazing. The directing. Uh, cons, uh, the really bright underground tomb. And the Scooby-Doo antics in the alleyways. Uh, that, that was, I had to take off two points just for that. It's crazy. So I gave it a six out of ten. 
for directing. Six. Mm-hmm. Wow. What what brought you all the way down to a six? So there there was just some of the, uh, and this may have more to do with the writing than the directing element of it. But the, you know some of the things that we had trouble explaining. Um, uh, just some of the the interactions between cast members like it just it wasn't perfect to me um as far as direction goes like even the the nature of indiana jones himself seems to change between the like a a good perfect normal hero to kind of kind of a jerk yeah he's kind of a jerk (laughs) yeah and so i i was very harsh on writing Uh, i thought directing was great writing i gave a 4.5 Okay, I see, I was solid sixes across the... I thought the writing was near garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lucas. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't actually garbage. It was, uh, but there, there was a lot. I mean, as you, I complained throughout this, this whole thing about plot holes and logic holes and yeah. just weirdnesses. I, I put that all down to writing. Right, uh, Lucas didn't write this. He did the story. And I think the story is fine. Mm-hmm. The guy that actually, I think it was a guy, the person that wrote the screenplay was like Larry Camby Weppel Snip Carbomb. These are all sounds. <laughs> they don't carbomb. <laughs> Let me look it up. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't remember. Wiffle Carbomb. <laughs> it was Senor Claptrap McGulacuddy. Uh, it was written by Lawrence Kazdan. Kazdan, Cashdan, Kazdan. Cash that Dan. All right, so Lawrence Kazdan was the actual screenplay writer, so we can blame him for a lot of these things. Okay. So George Lucas remains untouched, unblemished. <laughs> uh, yeah, so writing 4.5 for me, prose where the characters were all fun, the story was compelling, and the pacing was perfect. Mm-hmm. That was something that I really liked about this movie. This It never outstayed its welcome, but it always felt brisk. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It didn't. It didn't linger. Yeah, and, but it also wasn't like rushing. It didn't feel like we were always, come on, quickly. It was like the, the last Star Wars movie. Last Jedi? Is that what it was? Whatever the last Star Wars uh, trilogy movie was. I was about to look it up. <laughs> uh, it was garbage. And the, one of the problems was it rushed through the entire movie. So this, this movie didn't have that problem. It was very fast, brisk, but it wasn't rushing. So the cons, uh, ancient photosensitive death traps. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of contrived plot conveniences. Uh-huh. Uh, Nazi one burning his hand for a while on the medallion without releasing it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that can't be explained, like damp zombies. Damp zombies. <laughs> uh, Sala not being arrested or detained when he was meddling in secret Nazi stuff. Villagers making a uh, hiding spot for Indy, driving the truck just on the fly for no good reason. Mm-hmm. No explanation. No one saw the Indiana and his people digging day and night. Seemed uh, very convenient. Uh, the two main uh, evil Nazi people seemed redundant. We probably only needed one. Not a huge thing, but... Redundant uh, <laughs> Nazi people. <laughs> <laughs> we can stomach some Nazi people. Don't need so many. <laughs> Marion's character could have done more than just yelling Indy a lot. Indy! Indy! She kind of has an olive oil sound to her when you do her. Olive oil. I'm um, sorry, that was my pie pie. Was it your candy candido? <laughs> the same sort of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, gug, 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 gug. So better than Joey. Also, she never tried to get out of, when she was like locked in the plane canopy. Mm-hmm. It was locked from the outside so that it can't just blow open. But why couldn't she open it? Why did Indy have to shoot it? 
you can't just lock someone in a plane canopy. They can open it. Maybe she didn't have the upper body strength. That looked pretty heavy. I don't know. I just, uh, and I would have liked to learn more about uh, the reason I thought that they were redundant is because I thought the super creepy Nazi could have been used, utilized for every Nazi situation. And we could have learned more about him. I would he have liked to. He could have been the embodiment of all creepy Nazi. Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be a depiction or a kind of modeled after Himmler. Oh, I got kind of a Gorbels kind of feel to him. Gleebles? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go, 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 Gleebles. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> it was Popeye to Nazi. Even Iberia does not like. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sorry, I'm getting giddy. It's ridiculous. All right. So what do you give it for acting? Acting. Acting. I'm actually going to change my score. Mm. I originally said six out of ten. Yeah. I think I'll bump it up to a seven because I think the actors did a very good job ad-libbing when they were asked to. I feel oh. like they really embodied the characters they were asked to betray. Um, that's, that's a good point. So I gave him a five out of ten. Oh. I'm going to go up to a six, however. Maybe. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. For for the ad libbing, especially uh, Marion. What was the name of the actor? Who is who's she played? Name by? Karen Allen. So I thought she did a fantastic job, especially incorporating the drinking and everything like that. That was I thought a pretty crucial scene, and for that to have all been ad libbed, I thought was is pretty fantastic. So top quality. Uh, I thought she did a good job at acting, even though her character was super annoying. She wasn't given a lot to work with. Um. Seriously, not a lot to work with, considering one of her major scenes was ad-libbed and wasn't written. I thought, obviously, Harrison Ford, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Come on. Come on. But everybody else I thought was kind of average. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I well, I'll, I'll, John Reese davis is also very good, but yeah. he wasn't given a lot to work with either. So what do you really think about it? I give it a real rating of a 6 out of 10. Hey, so did I. Yep. What about your your heart palpitations? My heart palpitations, uh, 7 out of 10. Ah, me too. Yep. We agree. I thought it was uh, very fun, gripping in many places. Probably unintended comedy <laughs> from the uh, the goofiness yeah. of a lot of situations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a delight. <laughs> he's great. You know, though, I, I, reverse of what, what's her face from uh, Big Bang Crowd. Amy Farrah Fowler. Yeah. I think that if the Nazis, we should actually be kind of thankful for the Nazis being there. Because if Indiana had found the stuff uncontested, then he would have opened the Ark and died. You heard it here first. Zach appreciates Nazis. Well, they saved Indy's life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't apologize for it. Nazis saved Indiana Jones. This is making me terribly uncomfortable. Because if the Nazis hadn't been there, Indy would have opened it. He would have died, and it still wouldn't have been under government control. My God. <laughs> so in uh, the in in essence, the the Nazis. The Nazis are the rose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. God. Oh my god, I might actually have to change mine. <laughs> no, you can't make the Nazis the rose. <laughs> yep, my rose is Nazis. <laughs> Unprecedented. <laughs> Ill advised. Ill advised at best. Uh, yep, keeping it that way, Nazis rose. Woof. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, so, come on. You've just heard my reasoning. Indiana Jones would have died, movie one, and the <laughs> arc would still be uh, just randomly out there. <sighs> wouldn't It wouldn't be hidden. Anyone could stumble on it now. But if the Nazis weren't interested in it in the first place, we wouldn't be on this trajectory to find it. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. So the Nazis are both the rose and the thorn. <laughs> well, no, because the thorn is supposed to be for the, the, the person or people that propel the plot forward. They created the plot. Mm. They were the reason the plot was happening. But they also were the biggest inhibitor of the resolution we were seeking. Well, so I'm saying they would have they're the rose for existing. But if they didn't exist, the movie wouldn't exist. the movie wouldn't happen. Which is actually to their credit also. So really all around, the, the Nazis pulled this movie together nicely. Jeez. <laughs> so next time on the RTR, we're going to continue down the Indiana Jones train. And I would just like to start by saying my nostalgia rating for the Temple of Doom is a 5 out of 10. Good Lord. Why is it so bad? Oh, I you can't even watch the trailer. I'm not allowed to? No. Okay, well here, you you pull it up. I'll leave the area. Okay. I mean, you've already spoiled the major thing. He's got a new lady friend. God bless it. Technically, by watching uh, any family guy, that would have been spoiled for you already. I have forgotten if they have. If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. From Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. Will, Dr. Jones. So that was the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I'm going to be very curious to see Mr. Zach's uh, opinions of it. Um, I will say that our, our wonderful friend, Princess Marty, this is his favorite of the films. But every other person I've met on the face of the earth before Crystal Skull came out said that this was their least favorite of the franchises. So what, what's so bad about this one? I, I cannot tell you. I want you to go into it with a virginal viewpoint, not knowing what to expect. You told me this is going to be the worst, so you've already colored my Now, I will say that even though I consider it the worst of the three, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's entertaining, but I I will save the rest of my thoughts for after you watch it. All right, fair enough. Well, you know what? That's been uh, Indiana Jones. What more is there to be said? Actually, it's been the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the real name of the movie. So, um, you know, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, and be safe. Crowhurst, Crowhurst, you got to give the shout-out to Crow. Caca. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Julian Crowhurst, who Crow. created... 
Crowhurst for creating our theme music. And also, thank you to Mr. Zachary Duncan, who mm-hmm. created our outro music. Aw, oh, thanks for giving me a shout-out. I feel good about it. You know, thanks for listening. I just want to give a little personal note to the audience that I really appreciate you. I do. However, you're not rating us enough on, on the Apple Podcast. Five-star reviews, please. Or else he's going to keep giving Rose Awards to Nazis. I might just. Every, even if there aren't any in the movie. <laughs> He's going to create, you know who's probably behind this? The Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, they get the rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, I think that's everything. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I've been your co-host, Zach. And I've been Allison. Bye.